Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who ran the Miracle Mile. He must be flat broke, but hey, he does it in style. And our guests remind him all the time, you've got the music in you. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Oh, so touching. Hola, Ben. I mean. Sure. So for this episode, we have a repeat revisitor. You might remember him from our episode about REM's Automatic for the People or the John Prine Appreciation episode. He's the lead singer of the band Red Wanting Blue, and uh, they have a recent record out. It's called The Peppermint Sessions. And I'm assuming that with his enormous amount of facial hair, I bet he gets people telling him all the time, hey, Jehovah, I made this whole joint for you. <laughs> Please welcome to the podcast, Scott Terry. Hello. Hi, guys. Welcome thank, back. Thank you for having yeah. me. I missed you. Missed a lot of things during this crap year called 2020. <laughs> We're, uh, I, th- I think we'll, we'll, we'll lament about this wonderful year as we, uh, as we chat. Right. All right. Uh, well, you know, the premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all important question, Wayne, let's start with you. What t-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a really cool new shirt. I got off the sub pop website from another band that only released one album, the postal service. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. How about you, Scott? What, uh, what t-shirt are you wearing? At the moment, it's a, it's a hoodie and it's a, from my friend, uh, my good friend's carbon leaf. It's been good COVID wear, uh, to, uh, have the old zip up hoodie. They, uh, they've been, they always have really soft stuff. So very comfy. They, they don't skimp. They don't get anything cheap. So kudos to carbon very leaf. Good. Appreciate it. Thank you for the sweatshirt. Very good. Very good. All right. So I'm I'm wearing my Will Hogue t-shirt. Ooh. So Will Will Hogue versus all y'all nice. t-shirt. Nice. Yeah. Good one. It's a good one. I figured I'd uh I'd 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 wear it one one more time to try and, you know, maybe somehow convince Will he needs to get his ass on this podcast. Has he not done the show yet? No. We we were really close to getting him on and then he got busy with doing his 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 new record, and right. uh, we just could, we just couldn't make our schedules work, and it was just way too much work on my part. So I kind of gave up. Oh man, yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, I will definitely put in the good word again. I'll, I'll put All a bug right. in his ear. Yeah, he would he would be a he'd be so good on this show. Oh yeah, we we think so too. I mean, right. Wayne Wayne keeps telling me you you need to just not have that defeatist attitude i'm like dude it is so hard to schedule guests and just juggle everything that i'm just like yeah no well i'm I'm good i will say this it 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 is as somebody who's now been on the show uh a couple times the first time you do it 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 is intimidating it's daunting when you're like i mean because i'm i'm an you know i'm a caveman with the technology and then it's like okay so i have to download something and i'm the guy who's got the like safari on that macbook because that's way too old and right. you know and then you look and you go oh wait the thing that i have to go and click on for this records revisited i can't even use safari like i gotta get chrome or i have to get firefox okay so i mean and then like these guys need a scoring sheet they got oh man like i'm gonna be like i'm getting nervous you know so i could see some last minute guys like oh man sorry something just came up because i'm not ready i'm not ready to talk about this record <laughs> 
on the record. <laughs> that that has happened a few times. We um we and we, we just chatted about one of our one of our guests who um, bailed on us what two days ahead of time. Oh man. Yeah. But I, it was his doing. He picked he picked a record that had like 19 songs. Oh geez. And I think once you start getting into a record and you you have to score it. Yeah, I I, I get it. You're going to have it's daunting a little bit, but you know, that's You got to man up. There there's a reward in the process. Of course. Buck up. I mean, or just be like me and change your change your mind every 3 hours. <laughs> I mean, I think or that. I sent you what I sent you a list my score, and then immediately was like, oh, "What am I thinking? Hold on a second. And I said, "Like, sorry, needed to amend that." Well, Wayne Wayne sent me his amended scores today too, and I think my response to him was, "What? What did I say?" Son of a bitch. Wayne? Yeah. So, because so, because again, this is part of the the whole what I said about the the scheduling guests. It's it's also I got to tabulate the scores and then come up with okay, who am I going to call on for each of these songs? And right. you know, so that you know, there's a little research and work on my part too. But again, it's it's all good. It's all first good. world yeah. problems. Well, man, I, I know. I'm I'm excited. For this record, but the first time that. I was on when we did the REM automatic for the people, which I was very excited about. Ben, you remember, I mean, I went back and forth with you cause I was kind of like this, this record was one of my toss ups. So I was like, Oh man, I would love to talk about this record. But so I'm glad that we're finally getting a chance to, cause I, yeah. Well, and it resonated with our, with our, uh, listeners as well. That's the third most downloaded episode of our, of all of our episodes. Get out of here. Really? Yeah, that's absolutely. awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to touch the first two. The first two are, you know, hundreds of downloads <laughs> uh, ahead of yours. But, you know, it's third's still good, right? Hey, I'll, I'll take third. I will take yeah. third all day long. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the um, so last time we had you on, we talked about Audition, your song. Oh, okay. Um, and and you know you've got uh, a line there about uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket. We've we've had mm-hmm. Glenn Phillips from Toad um, <laughs> on since since then. Really, and uh, the week that we're recording this episode, the episode that I posted was a three-hour marathon with Randy Gus, the drummer of Toad. Oh, nice! And uh, we did another REM record. Get out of here, man! That's awesome. I want to meet those guys. I feel like we, we travel in similar circles back when bands used to travel before, you know, everything. I, I think that you guys would, that would be a great double bill. Oh man. I, I would love that. It's funny. Cause we, we, we've been in the same touring in some of the same circles here in the last, you know, 10 years enough that a lot of the people that we work with, they always bring them up and say like, have you not, wait, you don't know them? You haven't met them yet? I'm like, no, no, we have eluded each other after all these years. And they're always like, wow, I would have thought that you guys were friends with them. That's crazy. Yeah. I guess I should have clarified that Wayne wasn't on either one of those toad episodes. (laughs) Oh geez, Wayne, what happened? Uh, uh, I made some uh, somewhat disparaging comments about toad, the wet sprocket and I got banned. Really? (laughs) Well then, that good riddance was, to bad rubbish. What? What, yeah. what would you have said? Yeah. No, I was. 
I don't it was, know. It kind of it was it I was mean, fly from heaven. Even, okay. Yeah. Great. Great. I song. claimed that it was a little bit too uh, contemporary Christian, and mm. Jeff took issue with that. And apparently, it sounds like me and Glenn Phillips would get along uh, <laughs> wonderfully together. But I'm, I've been banned. There's nothing. Uh, I it feels like there's nothing I can do. You were sidelined. I'm sorry, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> not 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 my first rodeo. No, no. And it's not the last time you're going to get banned from an episode, I think. <laughs> That's <too>. for sure. <laughs> well, I think the world of those guys. And uh, so if they're out there, yeah, I'd yeah. love to, I'd love to hang out at some point. What would be, what would have been your top song off of life's rich pageant? Cause we ended up scoring cool. fall on me ended up being our top song with, I believe coming in second. Hold on. Let me go. I, I got to look that up. Cause I, I've got so many, I've got so many um, REM, early REM records now at this point. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a kid, my brother, my older brother was a huge REM fan. He's the guy who got me into it. He had this record called Eponymous that for a long time as a kid, because oh, yeah. when you didn't know any better, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, man, Eponymous is the best record. And then you're like, well, it, <laughs> hey, hold on. It's a compilation. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, what's the, uh, oh. Uh, it's like an Alan Partridge line. Uh, Anthony Anthony D'Amato and I always laugh. At, he always brings up this line that uh, you know the British comedian Steve Coogan. He has the he does the he's got his persona of Alan Partridge, who's like a disc okay. jockey. And uh, somebody said like, "What's your ba- what's your favorite Beatles record?" And he goes, "Hmm, it's a tough one. I'd probably have to say uh, the best of the Beatles." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, let me see. Life's rich pageant. God. That's great. So that was that was one of the IRS records. What was that? 86. So that was before document right. that had um, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it. Right. I don't know. I would say probably yeah, I would have to be a cherry picker there on that record and say either fall on me or yeah. Yeah. That's probably more, or, yeah. Or Superman. I like that one. I would say Fall on Me. Yeah. Fair weather. You could go into the deep, early, old stuff, and it's like, my my brother, if he was listening, he'd be like, dude, you don't know anything. You don't. Come on. Please. <laughs> stop. Cherry picking the top hits. But. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. All right. So, so, Scott, you guys have a uh, EP out. Yeah, the peppermint sessions. That's right. Which um, are um, songs from the wanting, right? So how how come you guys decided to do this um, a little more stripped down? Are are they considered demos? They're I I wouldn't call them demos. I would call them sessions. Um, sessions. Okay. Yeah. When we when we were um, you know these days part of the touring, along with going into like radio stations or you know doing press for a record. Um, it seems like the most common thing that we find ourselves doing is like whatever region of the country that we're in, we're doing a, a session of some kind for, you know, whether it be like day trotter or paste or, you know, any of these, yeah. you know, outlets for stuff. And, um, and they're a lot of fun and it's a nice way to sort of, it's certainly more enjoyable than going, not that I have anything against uh, going to radio stations, but you know, it's usually very wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Hello. You might play a song. Uh, if you can't, even if you, you sometimes you don't even get to. So having a session where you come in, you just 
record it, play it. And you, it's always a good time. Yeah. Um, and usually those recordings don't, you know, they just kind of go up. It's just help. It's just to help promote the record. Um, and we wound up doing one. There is a, the peppermint studios, which is why it's called peppermint sessions is in Youngstown, Ohio. And it's a sort of like to refer to it as like a, the muscle shoals of the rust belt. It's a, Excellent. it's a really, it's old and super rad. It's just a really great studio. Um, my drummer Dean is a huge, uh, advocate for the place. He spends a lot of his spare time there, uh, helping to clean it up and working with the guy who, the, the guys who own the place and, um, was, you know, as we were touring, it was an idea of just like, oh yeah, we should definitely go there and do a session there. And uh, there's a place or, uh, another sessions that we've, we've done before in Youngstown called historian sessions. Um, and they're great. This guy, Sam Bonavolanta does them and it's, uh, also very cool. So Sam came in and we kind of did this peppermint session, uh, there with him and his crew and, um, cool. Yeah. And what wound up happening was the label, uh, enjoyed it and said, should we release it? And we were at the time going to be releasing, or we're going to be going out in the spring, um, right. We were going to tour, uh, and doing like an acoustic tour called ghost stories and campfire songs. And they said, well, this could be kind of cool. It could kind of partner with some of the stuff that you have. And, uh, so we wound up saying, if we could make a full record of it, you know, if we could, I said, if you reach out to, um, Adam Duritz and his podcast that we've done before, his, we did his, uh, underwater sunshine. Yeah. And he does these garden sessions that are great. And, we always have a blast doing those. So I was like, if you can reach out to Adam and you can reach out to day trotter and you know, any of these other guys and see if we can collect some of these other sessions to maybe make a full record of like 10 songs, that would be cooler, I think. And then we can, we can call it peppermint sessions, but we can have these bonus tracks on it. And so the, uh, yeah, I asked and then label went ahead and we're like, yeah, we've got clearance to do all that. And I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. So yeah, we went ahead and did that. And at the time it seemed like, this was a, this was just a fun little thing, but I'll, I'll be honest. I was, I mean, I'm very, I'm very proud of what we did there. And, um, you know, in the midst of COVID, it was really, you know, a nice thing to be able to, to have that and release something. Cause at the time, I've, I mean, so many bands, I felt bad for bands that didn't, you know, everyone, nobody could go on tour anymore, but at the same time, um, people that were anticipating releasing a new record, um, you know, everybody makes their money these days on touring. You know, that's how we, you know, bands and artists, you know, yeah, thrive. So in the digital age, yeah, we don't really, you know, playing, touring is where uh, you do that. And the thought of having to release a record and you're not going to, you know, I mean, like it's, it's just sort of a tough call. I mean, if I, I wouldn't know what to do. If you're like, you plan to release this record, so you're going to release the record and then you're not going to tour on it. Nobody knows when this is all going to be said and done. And then the thought of being like, so we're finally going to go tour on this record after all this is said and done. You know what I mean? It's a tough call. Um, So to be put in a position of saying, this is stuff you've already done, but it's a different slant on it. And there's a, 
you know, part of your audience that, and fan base that really is voracious about like live recordings and studio, like session recordings. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a nice way to give a little something special that otherwise they would not have. And then it also didn't feel like we were losing anything because we've toured on all this stuff before. So it's not, you know, so it wasn't like, oh man, we're, we're just giving it all away. So I think I like the, um, the version of Lily White on the Peppermint Sessions better than the oh, yeah? studio. Yeah, cool. I, I love it. That's great. Yeah, it um, it was a yeah, it was it was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable time getting to do that. That's for sure. Who's the voice behind the, so this is take number three. <laughs> that is the owner of Peppermint. His name is Gary, okay. Gary Ramey. And he is, yeah, he's got, how that guy is not just like on every, you know, coming this summer <laughs> commercial, you know, like voiceover. The guy should be killing it. Uh, he's got such a great voice. And, yeah. um, he does a, he does a, a radio show, I think once a week for the summit radio. I think, I think it's the summit radio. I could be wrong about that in Northeast Ohio, but he does his own show and, uh, let's he's, he's, he's an awesome dude. Super, Very super cool. cool. Very cool. Wayne, yeah. did you get a chance to check out, check it out? I did. I listened to it uh, a couple times today. Excellent. Oh, nice. Thank yeah, you, Wayne. Really liked it. We just earned you what, um, uh, less than a penny. <laughs> between our all of our listeners out there it's the thought that counts well you know what also if you go on youtube um there are videos of all of the songs and that's actually what came out first it actually came out we just wanted to do it and make some videos and release them like once a month and it just wound up being something that people enjoyed so much and that's where we said you know we'll make hard copies of it and we'll gives gives us an excuse to you know make some swag and print it and I'm sure. I, I love that stuff so I'm I'm very pleased I was able to get a red warning blue cooler that I've yeah, I've been using ever since which I enjoy <laughs> um these are all just ways for me to get my name on something our band's name <laughs> on something that I can then use I got a like a, a coffee tumbler which I okay. am in love with and it's got our garden gnome with uh it's a picture of our garden gnome. Did you make any of the garden gnomes? I I drew the garden gnome that all the that's on all the merch. I drew that because I like to fancy myself as an artist a little bit in that way. And um so yeah, I I wound up I wound up drawing the basically I just drew our the living 
not living, but our, our, our actual gnome that's always with us that we travel with. Yeah. And at the front of the album is, uh, the front of the peppermint sessions is we brought that in, you know, we didn't, we don't usually bring knickknacks with us, um, or any, any, any totems with us, uh, save a few. Yeah. But we, yeah. we brought in that guy. He's always with us all the time. And so the fo- someone took a photograph of it there and it said, you know, there's the record cover. So perfect. Yeah, it was good. All right. Well, there's a, uh, there's a group of diehard red wanting blue fans that, um, have their own page on Facebook. Really? Whoa. So I threw, so I threw it out there that you were coming on. I asked if they had any questions for you. So you ready for some questions from some of the diehards? Sure. Fire away. All right. So from Phil Joseph, he said, I want to know if Scott would ever consider releasing a solo ukulele album with all of his unreleased tunes, such as me, oh my nowhere to go, but down or holy rolling, R- holy rolling thunder on it. Hmm. Phil Joseph said that. Yes. Do you know Phil Joseph? No, I'm, I don't think so. I'm okay. like, I don't know. I don't want to disrespect Phil. If we know each other, um, <laughs> but, uh, no, that's very nice of him. So he's asking if I would consider doing something like that. Of course, of course. I yeah, would Yeah. Kind of like, like uh, Eddie Vedder did a, a ukulele. Actually, yeah. I think he's done a couple of them. Too. Has he? I know. I just remember the one. I was upset with his rendition of Tonight You Belong to Me. Was not pleased with that, but it's just me. Uh, you know. Uh, it's no, been it, forever since I heard it, so I, <laughs> I, I can't even remember what it sounds like. That and Dream a Little Dream. I mean, he went for all the classics. He went for yeah, the classic tunes. I, I wasn't a big fan of the Dream a Little Dream. It was just a little like, oh, you're trying to, you know, I don't know. The guy can do no wrong, really. So, um, you know. It's, it was, I bought it. I, I bought that record. Um, and you know what? Uh, yeah. To answer Phil's question. Sure. I, of course I would think of doing something like that. You know, I think he was onto something. Sounds like a yeah. good idea. All right. Give Phil a little credit in the liner notes. I guess. There you go. Yeah. All right. Next question. Andrea Scarano. She said, um, I'd like to know if, Red Wanting Red Wanting Blue is working on any micro shows at any venues like their friends at Carbon Leaf have been able to do. I hear Annapolis is lovely this time of year. <laughs> That's she nice. must be in mm. Annapolis. You know what we we've talked about it, and we initially said over the summer after we had to cancel our second tour that we kind of you know we had all put our heads together and talk to a lot of our community of other bands and stuff. And the overall consensus was 2020 was done. So, um, we, we have had, we've had a couple things that have come up where people were talking about it. And I'm sure in the future we're going to be 2021. I'm, you know, I have no doubt that we're going to be hopefully playing it. I mean, as long as the world permits, but, um, yeah, so we're trying to get more, we're trying, we're more open to it as people are getting more creative about it and more safe about it. In the beginning, when I felt like we had a couple, there were a few people that came after us about doing some stuff in the Midwest and it didn't feel safe. It felt like some of the things that they were asking us to do, we were ready to say like, we just want to, if we do anything, we're going to go big. We want to do something big and do it right. 
And um, it just sort of, a lot of the things that we wanted to do, I think ultimately fell short because people were not, I think they were not willing to do anything bigger. Um, and by that, I just mean like larger outdoor, you know, yep. there was some of this stuff. So the micro show is something that we are um, entertaining. I know we're also, we are also um, actively um, moving on the live stream thing as a full band, which has been really tough for us because some bands like Carbon Leaf, God bless them. And not all of them, um, cause some of them live in different places, but I would say that, uh, you know, I think most of them are kind of living right around the Virginia area. I know that makes things a little easier for them. Um, yeah. except for and, Jesse, right? Jess, boy, yeah. he's got, a, yeah. he's got, he's got the traveling and he's got the baby now. So yep. he's got a tougher, he's got a tougher commute, but, um, they've been, they've been, I've, I, cause we're, we're very friendly. So I, uh, I watched a lot of their stuff and we have the same booking agent. So I hear gotcha. about what they do and there's moments where I go, man, it's so nice that they have DC so close to them that they have a lot of, you know, and then Annapolis and they're able to couple together quite a few things um, in a way that just where we live right now, we haven't had a lot of those options and you guys are spaced out too, right? Two of the guys, Eric lives in, in New Jersey and Hoboken uh, on the other side of the city and I live in Brooklyn. So we're out here and then, and then Dean's in Youngstown, which is three hours away from Columbus where Mark and Greg live. So it just kind of makes it a little more difficult to pull everybody together to then which one, what winds up happening is it's like something gets offered to us and it's like a one-off show. So it's a hard thing to do a one-off show and everybody traveling in and doing, you know, it's just, it's, there's a tremendous amount of work. And I don't think, I know there's been a lot of different models for that. It's kind of for, for how these things work and, but none of them have seemed to, uh, been able to, you know, you can't, you can't do a show like you normally do. So yeah. it, it becomes, uh, there's math and trying to figure out to make it financially, um, you know, how, how does, how do we make that work? And, yeah. you know, so yeah. we've, we, we, we've run into some roadblocks with that for our band personally. Um, but most of it's been a health thing. We've also not been like tremendous. I mean, I don't want to say that we're not super excited to be playing cause we're all, we've, we've all been foaming at the mouth to play together and do things together. But, um, but at the same time, we're also very, you know, aware of what's going on and we don't want to ever come off or appear out of touch and, you know, trying to do things in light of what's going on at the moment, you know, all of yeah. the major, com- all the major companies that do shows, whether it be Live Nation or, um, you know, what have you, they've all punted to 2020 because there was even talk over the summer of us potentially renting out a space where we could do something that we could separate and do cre- do it safe safely, and we wouldn't, we weren't even even able to make that happen because the place wouldn't, the venue wouldn't allow it, oh. just because they're like we're not doing anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's a complicated time at the moment, but I, I applaud everybody who's, you know, creative enough to make something work. So, um, you know, yeah. I think, yeah, it's gotta like, be, uh, it's gotta be a financial win for you guys as well. I mean, as much as you want to give right to the fans, I mean, at the end of the day, this is your living. It's, it, it is tough. It's a tough one to, you know, I hate having to make that, you know, uh, you know, having to accept that that's a part of the, 
you know, algorithm that we need to put together to make it all work. But it is tough when we're traveling in from different places and then leaving to go somewhere, you know, it all just costs a lot of money. And at the same time, if you're going to put people in harm's way, you know, safety is an issue, which is number one. And then after that, it's, um, you know, most of the opportunities that we are going to be putting ourselves into having are places that we've already played except at a quarter of the capacity. So there's, there's also a hard, hard sell to a bunch of guys who have been very proud of some of the places that we've played and the shows that we put on and then thought of saying, we're going to give you nothing near what we normally do. And, but that's, that's an experience that we're going to, you know, so it's a tough one, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to, um, you know, I'm, I'm still, whoever asked that question, I'm still working on trying to figure out a way to do it the best way we know how, hopefully we'll figure it out here before the end of the year. So you guys are, are you guys working on material for a new album while everybody's yes quarantined? Yeah, that's what we, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're working on new music right now. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about a lot of what we've come up with. It's, we, we've been separated since, I mean, before COVID. So our band has gotten used to um, working remotely, you know, sending yeah. each other, you know, ideas and things like that. So um, that's something that we've gotten used to. So yeah, so we're still working. We're still working on stuff and, you know, just kind of workshopping uh, stuff for the next record. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Couple, couple more questions and then okay. we'll dive into the record. <laughs> All right. Um, Sarah, Sarah, I think wanted to put me on, on the spot. So Sarah hmm. Russell asked boxers, briefs or commando. Ooh, God, there's no option for the COVID PJ just all the time. Just sweatpants. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> that's going to have to change. I, that, that's, that's, see, some people are just, um, they're one or the other. I'm kind of a, I hate to be sound like I'm not, I'm dodging a question, but you know, there are, I, I, I have on more than, I would say I'm at least three of those options that you just threw out. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So I don't, I don't, right. yeah, I don't have, I don't necessarily, you know, go to belong to one, one particular school of underwear or, you know, or lack thereof. So. All right. Uh, next one's from Dave bias. He said, how about a red wanting blue Christmas album? Obviously you got to go with you're a mean one on it, but I need, <laughs> I need someone to honestly tell me that Scott and Jen singing baby it's cold outside. Wouldn't be the best version of it ever recorded. <laughs> Dave bias has a thing for me and my wife singing together. He's a, uh, he, he's someone that we know pretty well. So, uh, yeah. thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. We'll have to try to work on that. I, I would like very much for there to be a Christmas, um, uh, Christmas album or a holiday record at some point, even if it's just like a little five song EP or something. Um, we have a few songs in the can already, like you said. So we've done, uh, excuse me, I'm just bumping my microphone. Um, but yeah, we have a year. I mean, one, Mr. Grinch, we did, um, we also did Santa Claus is coming to down to town a few years back okay. for a charity, a holiday charity record with Jerry DePizzo from OAR. So Jerry nice. pr- produced that track, which was a lot of fun. And it's a, pretty ballsy version of that song. Um, so that's floating around out there in the atmosphere somewhere. 
And then we just did last year for our, our record label when we were out there for over the holiday, we recorded uh, Christmas All Over Again by Mr. Tom Petty, which will be coming out this this holiday season. So we kept thinking, man, you know what? Every time we come out here at the end of the year, we should just record a Christmas song so we'll have it ready by next year. So that was our plan. So we've been we've been stumped here because we're not going to be able to go out there because no one's going out anywhere. Right. But um, yeah, so we have three three songs in the can for that Christmas Christmas EP. So or holiday EP, I say. I don't want to be ex, you know exclusive just to Christmas, but to sure. all holidays. Um, so yeah, I'm down right. for all of these ideas. Everyone's got these great ideas. Um. So Dave Dave was being a little greedy with this question, so he has one more. Oh, he says, uh, I know you can take it up with Dave later. Uh, he says, there's a line in Holy Rolling Thunder where Scott says, swear and shake. I've always wondered if that was a little nod to some fellow rock boat artist by the same name or just a coincidence. It was. Uh, that was just that a was coincidence? Not, no, no, it was not a coincidence. I did okay. that on purpose. Yeah, I always try to leave little, little, little treats and in, inside the songs when I'm writing them. And at the time that I wrote that song, we were doing some touring with a band called swear and shake. And, uh, yeah, they're great. They were a great band. I'm not sure if they're still together anymore, but, uh, okay. but they were, yeah, I really enjoyed playing with them. And I th- just remember thinking like, what a nice way to sort of remember, you know, when I think back to these songs and, you know, when you think about where they how they were written and where you were when that happened. And when you can leave yourself little breadcrumbs inside the song. Sure. That's always a fun thing to have. So yes, Dave, you have found me out. (laughs) You're following my breadcrumbs. I wasn't familiar with that song. So I found a video of you and your uke on YouTube doing that. Um, You, you have some Cub Scouts stickers on your ukulele. I do. I do. Were you a Cub Scout or a Boy Scout? I was a Cub Scout. I was a Boy Scout for, I did not become an Eagle Scout. I have to say, okay. sadly, I, I, I bailed on it, um, early high school and that was most tough. Cause I was, I moved from when I was like 10 years old, I moved from North Jersey to South Jersey and that made things difficult because though the Cub Scout thing was a big deal in North Jersey, the Cub Scout thing wasn't nearly as big of a deal in South Jersey, at least in the town I was in. So it then became this thing of, uh, I did it for a couple of years, but it it was just, it wasn't really as exciting. And, uh, you know, we discover girls in a new way. And, you know, before you know it, you're like, okay, I'm not doing, I'm not doing Boy Scouts anymore. So something had to give. My dad was a diehard scouter. So, you know, yeah, I, I was an Eagle Scout. I love it. I think about that stuff. That's amazing. And one of my best friends from from growing up, what did become an Eagle Scout, and I was always so envious of him. I was like, man, you you really did it. It's amazing. It's difficult work. It's not easy. And uh, but I think about the Cub Scouts all the time. That's why I have those stickers on my uke because it just always it always reminds me of it. Like that was probably some of the most fun that I had before I discovered girls. Yeah. was my time as a Cub Scout running around with a pocket knife in the woods with my friends. And well, so so I've been on a little bit of a of a um kick of buying Linda Ronstad records. Wow. 
Okay. Um, over this year, hmm. um, you know, she used to wear a Cub Scout uniform on tour. I remember that. You know who else did too? Who? Brandy Carlisle. Really? I did yeah. not know that. If you look at Brandy's first record, she has a, uh, I think she's wearing a Boy Scout shirt. It's Boy okay. Scout because it's tan. It has the patches and stuff on yeah, it. That yeah, that was, the, that was the tan. Linda, Linda wore the, the blue Cub Scout shirts. And she oh, was, she wore, yeah, she, I remember actually, you know, as you say that, I remember that I've seen pictures of her wearing that. Yeah. She was a little thing. She could, she could get away with wearing a Cub Scout uniform as opposed to a Boy Scout uniform. So, right. Well, on that note, just so Linda doesn't think she's the only one out there, Linda and Brandy, you know, they're wearing guys clothes thinking they're so cool. These girls wearing guys clothes. I, my mother for a hot sec was the, like a den mother yeah, for the boy Scouts. And she, I think when I was going into college and I was at that point, like full blown dyed hair, like in a band in, in bands, you know, trying, you know, mid nineties, my mother was emptying clothes out and was like, do you want any of these? And I was like, what? I don't want your clothes. And she was like, oh, I just wasn't sure if you wanted any. I remember looking through the bag and I was like, wait, what is this? She was like, oh, it's my den mother shirt when you were in Boy Scouts. And I was like, you did try that. on." And I tried it on and I was like, <laughs> you know, when it buttoned the wrong way, the buttons were on the oh, other yeah. side because it was a woman's shirt. I wore that a lot in college. I wore that a lot. Huh? That's yeah, awesome. that's all right. It's all right. Wayne, you yeah. still there? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. All right. I'm just making sure. Wayne, are you, what are you doing? Are you just, you have, you've, you've got us on, you've got your mic muted. You're watching the news. Uh, What's going on? I had, I did have to mute it because my dog was coughing, but other than, uh, oh. and your, barking your at dog the UPS is, man, but I, I'm oh, here. Okay. I'm listening. I'm enthralled. The dog he's is, an, co- the dog is coughing. Yeah, a dog, she's, she's, uh, she has cancer. So she's, oh no, she that's loses terrible. Her, I'm sorry she doesn't have that. a lot of her yeah. Anyway, she she coughs sometimes. Yeah, and and Wayne Wayne told me the last episode, so I just finished editing our Tom Petty episode, and and Wayne ahead of time said, "Hey, um, I know my dog likes to walk across the wood floor, um, while we're recording. Would you mind not editing that part out?" Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. So I, sorry, you probably didn't want me to tell uh, on you that way, but. Oh, I, no, no, that's, uh, anybody who's seen me with my dog knows that I, I absolutely love her. She, yeah. she is oh, the man. love of my life. It's probably why that's I've been amazing. married twice, but. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. All right. Um, all right. One last question. This is from Kylie Marts, Marston. Do you know Kylie? Okay. I know Kylie. I know who she okay. is. Yeah. Uh, she asked, of all the bars in all the towns, where's your absolute favorite place to play? <sighs> oh, that's a good question. Hmm. So many fun places to be. Um, you know, I don't know. And I don't mean to say this, make this a canned question. I know she's in Sarnia, Canada, um, which is, if you haven't been there, there that is a very, very fun town. It's a I don't know where run. that is. It's that? on the other, it's about an, maybe 90 minutes. Uh, I would say, yeah, it's like between like 60 and 90 minutes from Detroit over okay. the, across the water. Um, so it's not far from Windsor, Canada, but it's, it's, uh, like a border town. It's a Canadian border town, uh, that's right there by, um, 
right there by Detroit, uh, by in Michigan. Um, and that's one of the first places that I, we played with the trues who was another group, another group of people that I was trying to get you on. Did they ever do a show with you too? I reached out to them, um, early in 2020 and didn't hear back. And then like, mm. um, not to be all full of myself or anything, but we don't, <laughs> we don't really have a shortage of guests right now so right i haven't really reached back <laughs> out i i've been re- i've been starting to reach out to people that i want to have back on which is hence okay. why, why you're back on you would love them you would i'll i will okay so will hogue and the truth again i will push i will push both of them All to right. try to get them All on right. yeah john angus uh of the truth he's the guitar player colin and john angus are brothers and um yeah he does a he does a weekly pod like sort of uh, online podcast type oh, show okay where he talks about albums and music and stuff so it's right up his alley this is right um, up his alley yeah um so i don't want to dodge kylie's question but i'm not like i can't think of because there's a lot of great music venues that are all over the place yeah but i'm gonna say this so i'm giving kudos to sarnia because sarnia we've had a lot of fun in but it's gotten me thinking of canada and there's a small place in canada um, called Neat Cafe, and it's in the Ottawa Valley. It's north, I don't know, maybe 40, 40 minutes or so outside of Ottawa. Okay. And it's a small, like one stoplight town. It's just an intersection, and there's a building that's like the post office, and the it's, you know, the all in everything. And there's this old little schoolhouse that these people turned into a, a roastery for coffee and a music venue and little cafe. And we, first time we ever toured up in Canada opening for our friends, the trues, we had like a one, we had like, it was like the one show that our band had our own show. It was like on a day off, we went there and there's something so like wonderful about the place. It's a small room, but it's like a great listening room. And there's something um, I don't know if it's just that we're from this, the U S and they're Canadian and, or, I mean, I think in general can, Canadians are more respectful of, of one another and, and having visitors. Um, but they just were such a wonderful audience. Every time we've gone back there, like it's always such a great show. It's a great experience. Their food is all super farmed, fresh, like everything's farm to table. So we always from like start to finish, I think, and their coffee is probably my favorite coffee on the planet. However, they <laughs> I, they have a, they have their un, this unique system of how they do their coffee, and I I think the band would probably agree with me that it's our favorite roastery in in North America. It's uh, yeah. So it's so the I whole say, package there. Yeah. So I would say like if you want to get to the you know on the good side of of my band, if you come with farm fresh food and uh, really, really great coffee. And then you listen intently to the music. (laughs) We will love you. Uh, I would actually, yeah, I would say that we always look forward to that, to to playing up there. That's one of our favorite spots. And then there's, you know, but, but there's a million places. There's so many great places to play uh, around this, around this country. But that's, that is definitely one that I would say no matter what, we always look forward to it. We're bummed if we have to go to Canada and we don't get to play there. So very good. Yeah. She got me thinking about Canada. So there we go. (laughs) Kylie, 
Sarnia is a close second, but neat cafe in, I forget the name of the town. Uh, it's called Burnstown, Burnstown, Burnstown. Ontario. Okay. Yep. Off a of Calabogie road. I know it because I've actually hunted them down to be like, I need you to send me coffee. Can you send it across this, the border for me? <laughs> so, That's awesome. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, this is usually where I do the transition and I always ask the guests. So, you know, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. But, um, I, I asked you to come back on because yeah. we, we had, we had volleyed between this one and automatic for the people for right. your first episode. And then, uh, I've, I've been going on these, um, goodwill runs finding, you know, CDs and records at Goodwill. And I right. stumbled on new radicals, which there's a lot of CDs of new radicals cause they sold a lot of copies and, right. uh, you know, I bought it for a dollar and I'm like, this is a really good album. I, we um, need to have Scott come back on to talk <laughs> about it. Oh, that's so good. I'm glad that you did. I'm glad that you did. And, and Wayne and I went back and forth cause, um, what was it? Was it me who used the word pretentious or was it you Wayne? No, that, that was me. It? Yeah. Okay. Because we, we said, were we just being pretentious music listeners back in the late nineties that we didn't really give this record more of a fair shake back then. But I got to tell you over the last couple of weeks where I've listened to this, you know, six or seven times and I'm in love with this record now. Oh dude. I'm so glad. It, yeah. Cause it, it is, it is, an, it is a remarkable, it is a remarkable piece of music that, that album. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't <laughs> wait to break it down because it's like, it really is one of the most formative albums that I can say, you know, that was not something that, cause we all have those records that you're like, yeah, my parents used to play this. So like it got ingrained in me and I love it. Or my older brother listened to that, like a la REM automatic for the people. Yeah. This was one that I was like, I am full blown a young, a young adult trying to be in a rock and roll band, pushing to do that for my life. And one day somebody just like dropped a grenade in my lap and was like, have you heard of this band new radicals? And it was like, Nope, I don't know what that is. And it, and then it just changed everything for me. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. And the story of this record and and Greg Alexander who is the the front man mm -hmm. is is an interesting story as well. So if you go on, you know, Spotify and look up New Radicals, this is it. This is this is yep. the the one and done of this I guess it's a group. I mean, cause Greg had a couple solo records, uh, right. that you can find right. under Greg Alexander, but sure. It was pieced together though. Like we've assembled this, whether it's like Sam beam and iron and wine. And you're like, you can call yourself iron and wine, but this is the Greg Alexander show. Like that's yeah. what was going on. Yeah. And yeah, it is. I have such ambivalence, uh, such, such ambivalent feelings about, about this record, because on the one hand, it's like the greatest heartbreak for me that I've never got to see them live and I never got to see them perform it. 
Um, like when I hear older friends of mine that are musicians that are like a decade older than me and they always talk about big star, how like that, that was the best, that was the best and they were amazing and never got their due. While I also have a huge appreciation for that band for me being like in my early twenties and this record is one of those records that you're like, man, I don't know how with this ammunition, they did not immediately take over the world. And for a minute there, cause I remember seeing it like from the beginning, it almost felt like, Oh, they are, they're going to you watch, this is going to happen. And the fact that it didn't happen because they couldn't p- perform it live and you know, there were issues and it just kind of all fell apart makes it all the more sad. And at the same time, being a guy who's in a rock and roll band and does make records for a living, there is a weird part of me that had relief because you're like, I don't, <laughs> I couldn't believe it if somebody could make an album like that and go out and crush live and do that. Cause it's yeah. like, it's really, I mean, sonically, it is so ahead of its time. I would kill to work with Greg, Greg Alexander to this day. I think he's un- unbelievable. I mean, what he's, that record, lyrically, musically, the arrangements, everything, like he turned, he put everything on its side for me. And I suddenly was like looking at everything in a completely different way. And I would also say to people out there that are like, who the who is this band, whatever? Oh, I heard the one song. I remember the song from the 90s or what, or the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, that, you got to go back and listen to it because it is the, so much of that record, even though there's some dated, some dated lyrical things in there. So much of, I would say 99% of that record absolutely holds up to this day. That's one of the things I noticed. It is. Yeah. It is a stunning record. It's like, I remember because I was a kid when I was a kid and everyone talked about Peter Gabriel. So, and I remember finding out about it, you know, 10 or 15 years after it was, you know, I think probably 10 years after I was like listening to it in 96, but it came out in 86. And I mean, I remember being in 2006 and people like, can you believe this record's 20 years old? It totally holds up, does not sound 20 years old. I mean, to this day, I would listen to that new Radicals record and be like, man, they just, this sounds, this could come out tomorrow and it would be, it could be just as relevant. I'm going to make Wayne angry again because (laughs) Peter Gabriel. So is the, album that we talked about for Glenn Phillips episode. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, I just Great. I just stood outside with my with a boombox over my head <laughs> and they were recording it. How <laughs> apropos. I love it. Um so let, let let's go back to what you were saying with um him kind of disbanding the band because right. he could he, he couldn't tour with this. Was it that or was it that the one song which we're going to talk about, you know, the um, you, you get what you give was so big right. that he was turning into a rock star and didn't want to do the rock star thing. Uh, see, I don't know. I was told, and again, I mean, my, if my memory serves, and I didn't go look it up on Wikipedia, so someone can quickly look it up. Yeah, and well, check you and know, see. that's <laughs> such a reliable source, right. <laughs> But I, I was, I was always under the impression, and if I remembered correctly, it was because the record had come out, and I'm sure that they, you know, now knowing now what I never knew then, they were probably really working that song at radio for 
at least nine months or so before it ever popped. And, um, and it was on they, MTV's you know, and then it was on, total it was on MTV. request live. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And everybody and was, was like, here's this new band, this new band. And then, you know, you see that as kind of like, I mean, it was literally perfect. It was like this guy who's kind of, he's like a white guy, but he dresses kind of like, um, he almost looked like he was like, he dressed like a rapper, like hip hoppy, mm-hmm. you know, he had like a very urban vibe to him. And then there was like, there was some women in the band. There was like, I think an Asian guy in the band. There might've been a black guy in the band. It was just like, man, like this is like the greatest multi, you know, like you couldn't put together a cooler eclectic picture of like what this band is. And and I think after about nine months or something, there was, they sort of disbanded. And I think there was something about, I rem, I specifically remember hearing from a, le, a legitimate source, a la the news or whatever it was um, at the time saying that, uh, don't think that they could, they were not successful at being able to like put the record on the road. Like they couldn't seem to, Interesting. and I don't know if that was internal fighting or if there were other, other things at play there. Cause I feel like you could, you know, I don't know how you couldn't figure a way to make that work or at least do something, you know, cause it's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's, I'm such a fan of it. Um, but that was what I was told. And then he disappeared. And then a couple years later, the, the, la- the next time I heard from him or heard about him, was uh when with michelle branch he did a he he wrote a song that michelle branch recorded um called santana uh, yeah the santana song right game of love one a little bit of this a little bit of that started with game of love that's the one and and it's weird too because if you if you know the new radicals record and you listen to that song and you hear the vocals and stuff you're like oh my god this is his song he already i can already hear him singing this um it's yeah. Um, so I remember thinking, well, there you go. The guy got his street cred from the, that record and then is probably killing it, writing, co-writing songs with other artists and just doing his thing. Yeah. Wayne, yeah. what, what, what all did you discover on your research of Craig? And, and it wasn't, I guess it wasn't something I can't say specifically what I read that made it sound as if, he he wasn't into promoting this record. It was more that he was into making music and producing, and, and he didn't have a passion for it. And it was one thing I thought was ironic is the song didn't get as I, when I read that it peaked at some. It was way up in the twenties or something. It never really got into the top ten, I don't think. But that video was everywhere, and that's a great video. It's a great video. One of the bandmates was Danielle Brisbois, who was yeah, Archie uh, Bunker's place. Yeah, she was a child actress. Oh, no way. And they still do stuff together. Um, The one thing that I saw, the two had wrote a song for the movie Begin Again, which I don't don't know what that is. Um, Mm. I guess I should watch more movies. But they were nominated for Academy Award for Best Original Song in 2015. Oh, okay. Didn't win. Okay, but he's still out there doing it. Yeah. 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 Man, I got to look him up. Yeah. Yeah. There was some, he won, I think he won an Academy Award with somebody else for a song that was in a movie just like within the last few years. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want to say like 2015, but I can't remember the name of the song. 
See, usually, usually I'll stumble on interviews with these people and then I'll get some, some info from those interviews. There's not much out there. It's like, interesting. Yeah. Was he live in Detroit? I feel like they were. He was a Detroit. Yeah, guy. I know. He grew up he in Michigan. He was originally from Michigan. At Gross Point. I think. okay. Gross I Point. Okay. Yeah. So I knew he was a Michigan guy, and which I liked because I remember thinking like, oh, at the time we were from Ohio and it wasn't too far away. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm surprised he's not like. Yeah, there's not more out about him out there. If, Which, if he's still writing tunes and like producing stuff, I don't know if he's, yeah, I'm not sure if he's gone the way of like the Butch Walker kind of thing. Remember yeah. him from Marvelous Three, and now he's like, he's a he's still he's putting a it out. He's a, he's a Dragon Slayer. He puts out records and he does killer production, or yeah. he he, he, did, he did, does a lot of producing. Yeah, he's, good stuff. He's working with Matt Nathanson on new record. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I know my my old drummer Mark plays uh does a lot of work with him. Very good. Very good. So yeah, but um, but back to Greg Alexander being the coolest wherever he is, <laughs> mysterious yeah. man. I like I like the story of him, of him being like, yeah, I don't want any part in this. This is all you know. This is BS. I'm not into this. <laughs> I, I think that that's a a very romantic idea. I like that. It's very yeah. Paul yeah. Westerberg. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. Very, very- Let's dive into it. Um, so as a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 12. Which means our top song is going to get 12 points. Nick's favorite song, 11 points on down to lowest score of one. You guys ready for this? Yes. Absolutely. I'm going to say, by the way, before we begin this, I don't want to spoil it if you're going to play the song right now for everybody, but this still stands to be, in my opinion, the greatest first line on an album <laughs> ever. I mean, literally, that's what I mean when someone handed the, this record and said, listen to this. See, what, Let me know what you think of this record. I mean, it's like mind explodes, just total brain melt. And the first line, you're like, oh, my God. Well, I was waiting for you guys. I said, I, I, I set you up. I said, you guys ready for this? And you guys are supposed to say... Make my nipples. Oh out. yeah, let's go! Damn. Come on, make my nipples out. Let's go! Yeah. <laughs> it's that's an uh, opportunity missed. I set you it up. Really was. I set you, and up. you did set us up. I didn't want to spoil it, but I had to say because with reverence, I I literally think, I mean, <laughs> the amount of moxie on just this first track, it's like, yeah, he's got he's one yeah. of those guys. You're like people try what what they put on a whole album. He's got it in his fingernail shavings. It's so cool. Absolutely. All right. So first song is Mother We. Just can't get enough. My my first notes on this is Rob Bass, it takes two. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. I guess I never. I, to me, the the driving part of this song is that guitar riff, which is, sa- it's like a edge style riff without edges uh, effects to give it that unique sound. But it's it's that yeah, kind yeah. of style, and I and I that just because like there's a piano, it's kind of more 
but there's just that riff in the back that keeps it the whole thing going. But absolutely best way to start a song. Um, I think that this album is very well sequenced because the first song is oh, yeah. perfect. The last song is perfect. They put the big hit yep. second. There never gets to like, I don't think all of the songs are as strong as, as some of the other songs, but it never, it never wavers. Like they don't, they don't put two kind of slow songs in a row or whatever. He keeps the whole thing moving really well. Excellently sequenced. Yeah. And I'm just going to say one more thing here about this, about this, to hear that beginning of that song at a time, let us not forget 1998 gentlemen. Yeah. Okay. That's 1998. You know, it was killing the airwaves creed <laughs> smash mouth. Like that was the, that was the stuff that was like nickelback. Like, I mean, if you remember that late nineties, like we went from grunge into like a pop colorful thing for like the mid nineties. And then it went into just like some of that dark, you know, I, I don't know the, I, I don't know those bands. I, so I'm going to be the guy who just says Creed and Nickelback, but like that scene of stuff and being a young kid being like, Oh man, like I'm, you know, just out of college and wanting to play music. And like, this is like the new thing. Yeah. I don't really love this. This is kind of dark for me. I'm not really into it. And then to have someone give you that record and just to hear how funky and just so rad that that mother, we can't, ju we just can't get yeah. enough. Like it just sounded like nothing else at the time. It wasn't and a super good period of music. And I, and I say this very, with so true. <laughs> and, and I say this because in 97, I was an assistant manager at a Sam Goody right out of college. And <laughs> the fact that I sold tons of Savage Garden and tons wow. of Meredith Brooks oh, yeah. just tells you everything you need to know about that time period. Say no more. That's exactly it. Creed, Nickelback, Savage Garden, Meredith Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. That that one song was the only good song on that record. Um, mm. Sorry, uh, Ace of Base. No, that was that was early. Ace of Base was earlier. Ace that was of earlier. I'm trying to remember what was the other stuff that I. Um, I will say this: Third Eye Blind came out during that time period. Third Eye Blind was a great band. I always enjoyed that band. I've been thinking yeah. about them a lot lately here with COVID because they had that track "Losing a Whole Year." Oh, it's always, I'm like, man, yeah. how is that not getting? crazy new plays lately people being like you hit it you did it <laughs> oh that's yeah and it's a great song that's that's the theme song of 2020 for sure um yeah. all right do we have anything else on um one one more thing to say yeah one small one more small thing to say i don't i can't can you tell me right now how long the song is or should, or should we just talk about it after uh it is five minutes and 46 seconds that's what i'm talking about Five minutes and 46 seconds. That is at a time where people are like, hey, if you want to place, if you if you want to be, if you want your record to be considered and like, you know, competitive out there in the world of radio, we we need it to be three and a half minutes. Yeah. The song's got to be three and a half. We prefer it 250, frankly, or three minutes, but it has to be three and a half minutes. Anything longer than that is a joke and we're not interested. So the thought of somebody gluttonously being like, you know, cause there's two, two schools of thought there's, I mean, and I, and I can see value in both as a songwriter where some people say, you know, it's the Tom Petty, like, don't bore us, get to the chorus, like get straight to it and trim the fat. 
But there is another school of thought, which is if you trim off, I mean, why would you trim off the fat? The fat is the most flavorful part. So, and this guy, he is all about flavor and all about attitude and just energy and the vibe. And it's like the vibe on this song. Ugh. Yeah. I just can't get enough. Yeah. There it is. There it is. There he is. Boom. We'll we'll have some more puns um yes. later on. I got I got a few. Um Wayne, any any last thoughts before I get scores? Yeah, you know what? This one kind of some of these songs have a have a political commentary and some of them are just breakup songs. This one is kind of a little there's a little bit of commentary mixed in with the this love song, this this kind of the the world's ending, maybe not literally, but uh figuratively. And he has this girl and that's all he needs. But this just has a super strong get the party started groove. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, scores. Wayne, what do you got? Nine. Scott? Eleven. And this is my five. Um, I know. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. You're ridiculous. No. Uh, okay. That's fine. That's fine. You were ridiculous on some of your scores last week. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh <laughs> You clearly, get, we can clearly we can point out the guy who got the record for a dollar at the, the Goodwill. Right, exactly. Based on scoring, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I've only started to savor it this year in 2020. I didn't savor it in 1998. All right. right. Um, next song is "You Get What You Give." Mm-hmm. And yes, this was the the lead single. And Wayne, you alluded to it that it didn't it didn't chart as high as we thought that it did. Because, like, I'm looking at the research. I'm like, there's there's no way this wasn't like a number one song. It was a yeah, number one I, song. When I saw that, I was shocked. Yeah, number one song on the adult alternative songs, whatever the heck that means. Um, but for the mainstream top forty, it was in it was number fourteen. That was okay. So going back to what we were talking about with not a good time period, guys, you guys want to know what the top 10 was the, the week that it, that it peaked at number 14 guys ready? I'd like to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Number 10 lullaby from Sean Mullins. Okay. Slide. Rockabye. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, Slide. Goo Goo Dolls was number nine. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, number eight. I hate it so much. Hands by Jewel. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's how I feel. Um, Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Ooh, Eagle Eye. Okay, that's that's a great song. Yeah, that, that's a good song. It is a good song. I always liked. I always liked that entire the Cherry family. Yes. Oh yeah. Nana is P- awesome. Nana, dude, Buffalo Stance. So Killed good. me as a kid. Loved that woman. Yep. Uh, number six, Angel of Mine by Monica. 
Okay, not familiar. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. I, I brought I brought this up. I I went through this with my wife, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I know that song," because uh, she's all top forty. Um, number five was Jumper from Third Eye Blind. We've already okay. talked about them. Yeah. Number four was I'm Your Angel. Do you know that one? Hmm. It's R. No, it's, a, it's R. Kelly and Celine Dion. Gosh, no, I don't know if I know that. And it's just as bad as what you imagine it it would be from R. Kelly and Celine Dion. Uh, Number three, Nobody's Supposed to Be Here by Deborah Cox. A name I haven't heard in years. My wife knew it. She played it for me. I have no idea. I've never heard it before. I don't know if I know that one. Um, Number two was Have You Ever from Brandy. Okay. Another one that I had no idea about. I know Brandy. But I, don't, I know Brandy too, but I don't know. I don't know this yeah. one. And the number one song that week was Britney Spears' "Baby One More Time." <laughs> and there it is. And there, there it, is. it is, ladies and gentlemen. This is the time period. That's the Got time it. period. There you go. Right. Um, okay. So, uh, who who was it that talked about the 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 time stamps on some of these songs? Uh, I did. There are, there are, there's a few things where he dates himself a little bit, yeah. you know, and I think obviously on, on purpose, but I would say surprisingly for, for as much as he throws out there. Um, and again, to anybody listening and to you, you two fellas, I like to consider myself a lyrical, uh, a very lyrical person. Like that's one of my things that I'm very proud of as a, as a songwriter, I care about my lyrics a yeah. lot and the stories that I tell. And this guy to this day, I don't, I mean, some of the most courageous lyrical just gems thrown in this record, just the storytelling that yeah. he tells, whether these things were you, he writes in a way that you're like, these things, I think they're true. I am. They're so colorful. They're so vivid. The way he tells these stories that if he's not, he's dialing into that sort of Tom Waitsian, like, you know, you know, uh, mule variations kind of uh, just like the storytelling. I mean, like his stories are so vivid and the stuff that he, he comes up with and he's incident. I mean, like right off the bat, fresh, uh, like as soon as this track one, you're like, this guy is way cooler than me. He's, <laughs> doing like way more dangerous stuff. He's kind of sounds like he's, he sounds sort of like, I mean, he's a very courageous, rebellious, like he's a guy who wants to kind of start some, you know, he's picking a fight with Courtney love and Marilyn Manson. That's what I'm saying. Like at the time, think about that Marilyn. And that's, you know what, for that song for, I mean, like it's one thing to be like Beck and Hanson or, you know, Courtney love and, you know, and making fun of Hanson, you're like, whatever, but like Beck. And I know Beck did not completely come into his own at that point. Cause I think Beck is a phenomenal artist. I think yeah. he's an unbelievable. He's done. He's got some of my favorite records are his, but, uh, but he was such a, like a symbol of our culture at the time or whatever. And slacker culture you know, or whatever. Slack, yeah. Like in and, anti-hero whatever but like Marilyn I mean to, and this dude straight up first song no one's heard of this guy before this artist just comes out and at the end of his song he's like 
So he just throws down the gun. like, hey, I'm going to pick a fight with Court- Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain's wife. And she was also killing it with Hole at the time. And you're like, all right, let's go ahead. We're going to call her. We're just going to call her out as being lame. We're going to call out Hanson. We're going to call out Beck. We're going to call out Marilyn Manson, who is crushing. You know, you're like, this guy just picked a fight with like not one person, but four people that are all like four artists that are way more successful than him right now. And he does it in such a way that you're like, yeah, man. Yeah. I think that is kind of lame. Like this guy is like way cooler. He's like talking about cocaine a lot. I've never done that at the time. You know, you're like, I'm not doing that stuff, but uh, this guy sounds like he's like really cool. Like he's just, he's getting involved in a lot of stuff. And like, I mean, just, yeah, it goes throughout the entire album. You know, some of the stories and the things that he says, um, it sounds like he's in a lot of drug induced relationships and he puts himself <laughs> a in lot a of lot drugs of bad. And, yeah. A lot of yeah. drugs and bad relationships. Yeah. I, right. I mean, what did I you just say? Want, <laughs> but I wanted to touch on like what you said about the songwriting. Cause the, even this song, while this is a, there's a story in this delicious little pop song. I mean, he starts with, dreamer's disease at age 14 he's like as a teenager when you you know he's washing his you know you're washing your parents car you're you're controlled by these other people and yet you're you know you're so you're just beginning to see what's going on in the world and then the line about uh we're flat broke but we're doing it in style that absolutely describes my early 20s like mm-hmm. yeah and but now you've got now you've figured out the game and you realize it's rigged and you start to push back and he's got this all in this song. I mean, God's flying in for the trial. He just, uh, really, this is a great song with, and it does have political commentary. Absolutely. Kind of, kind of seamlessly floated into this great pop song. It really does. And, and it, and for that matter, it's, it, it seems, it finds its way floating in and out of the whole album. Cause there's little oh, bits yeah. of it. There's bits of it everywhere of this, like, disenchanted kid who's like, you know, like we're screwed from jump street. We like the whole game is rigged. It's all a hoax. Like we're all, we're all screwed and we're just trying to survive and good luck. Like it's so, yeah, it's, he, he's, it's dark in a lot of ways and strange that a, the song, I mean, musically the guy's voice is unbelievable. I mean, his voice is what he does is unbelievable. And he's got, he has the moxie of like Mick Jagger on cocaine. I would imagine, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it is literally, he's howling. I mean, there's points where you're like, I mean, it's been a long time. Then you're like, this guy is, I remember if you said, give me a record or give me an example of a person who howls like in a song. I would be like Greg Alexander, the entire record of maybe you've been brainwashed too. He's just, I mean, and I love it. And it's like, it's almost like you can see like the, the, his, like his keyboard that's got like everything sampled and, and he's just like sampling that, like, but, but, but like he, he I mean, there's some of the stuff that you hear just the way the record is produced where it's like everything's being reused over and over again. And like the greatest way. Um, yeah, he's, he, he's, just an unbelievable storyteller with this song. And I'm always so shocked that like, no matter how dark and twisted and weird it gets, which it does quickly. I mean, and you know, he he starts the record out. Like, I mean, a bomb just went off. That first track is so strong. And then to go right into this track, which is equally so strong. uh, I mean, 
yeah, it's it just it it's remarkable how he somehow keeps it positive. You know, like he he because again, as a writer, you don't want to get down in the dumps about stuff where you're like, it's easy to write about stuff when people are bummed. You know, like and 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 let's let's really kind of relish the the crappiness of the moment here. And and he's just it's it's so optimistic and it's such a yeah. Well, the lines of him throwing out the the bummer stuff, he makes it fun, like the 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 part of health insurance rip off line fda big bankers but i mean all of that stuff yeah. is is um that's downer stuff but he's making it it's fun it's fun yeah. when you when you talk about yeah. you know cloning while they're multiplying and fashion shoots with beck and hansen and and yeah you know just the the, the cadence of his delivery um of those lines um yeah makes it not quite a bummer my I will say this about that last section. My favorite part, my favorite line from Marilyn Manson was that he was mostly upset about being linked in linked in the same sentence with Courtney Love. <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, here let me and if I can make a comment because, by the way, I want to say whoever was it you Ben that found the lyrics when you sent us yes. the lyrics to the whole record because I was curious to see if it was going to be in there because I remember sucking. I mean, I've sucked the bone marrow out of this album. Unlike a lot of other records, I mean, like this one is, I know it very well. And I remember reading all the stuff and what I find so fascinating as a writer and a lyricist is that he puts stuff in the liner notes Oh yeah, that aren't in the record. Yeah. Like it's not there. He's like, like I'm completing the story for you who's reading this, who gives a crap enough to read it for everybody else. It doesn't matter. But if you're reading this and you actually care I'm going to finish the story. And that's why, like, I mean, after the last line, come around, we'll kick your ass in, which is like the best call out on I've ever heard to any other person. And then it's like, you know, don't let go one dance left as that's fading out. And then it says unsaid lyrics from liner championed by a soulless media, misleading people unaware they're bleeding. No one with a brain is believing. It's so sad. You lost the meaning. You never knew it anyway. Human nature. So predictable. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Whoa, whoa. Where you're like, you're calling out a steely Dan line at the end, but it's an (laughs) unspoken thing. You're like, who is this man? Who is this guy that he did that? That's like amazing to me. I mean, that is like remarkable that like somewhere there's probably a version where that was in there somewhere, some extended version. We want a deluxe you know, where, like, version. Oh man. I mean, just cause it's like, if, as if he didn't give you enough, you know what I mean? Like there's so much that you can chew on yeah. and the, the story is so rad and it bleeds straight into the third song. So you've got this image of this like young troublemaking kid who's trying to figure stuff out beating up Mercedes Benz, running with his friends and laughing about it, you know, like wrecking property and doing, you know, drugs and, you know, being in a young and in love. And then, yeah, just so cool. You guys realize he called out Hanson, but he ended up working with Hanson later. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. That's awesome. So anyways, um, should we get scores? Sure. I think we've talked talked enough about this one right um this is my 11 wayne also my 11 scott okay 10 all right did i redeem myself with my score on that one that was a good score good job it's a good score all right next song is i hope i didn't just give away the ending 
give away the ending. We caught a fade taxi driver, I smiled the ride was free. I felt like Amsterdam, she want more drugs than maybe me. I told the dealer I was broke, he hired a cameraman. So I have to preface this a little. So I was okay. listening to the song the other night while making dinner. My yeah. wife was in the room and she got angry at me for the beginning of the song. Because it takes almost two minutes uh, and to get started with all the scatting and sampling and whatever you call it. Yeah, it is a bit like annoying. The- I will say that in her defense. But once it does get going, it's a fantastic right. song. Well, let me tell you, though, again. The balls on this guy to just be like track three, like almost in this weird way of like, again, I'm leaving all the fat on. Like he could have just started the song when he did, but he that it needed to have that like minute and 45 of just like whatever is going on there. It's remarkable. Like it is, it's like I, as some, again, I've heard it so many times. I love it. And it's a weird, this weird moment of like, I'm going to let you just like zone out and think about, cause I just knocked you out. Like I just gave you mother. We, can't, we just can't get enough. And then I just double banged you with like the neck, the, the, with you, you get what you give. And it's like, okay, so I'm going to give you like, I'm just going to give you a minute and a half to kind of like, let that marinate, think about it. I'm going to kind of just vibe out here for a minute before I come in to another song that's going to destroy you. Yeah. And the arrangement, again, is so brave. I mean, you know how it is. I mean, people, it's like not even a secret anymore. People like industry people, like three minutes, come on, you got to front load the record, front load the record. And he front loaded this record in my opinion, but like, cause I, my scores will show that, but like, it's remarkable, like the length of the songs and that he's like, I don't care. It's perfect. Not touching it. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No radio edit. You never heard one, but it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the longest song on the record. So it's, it clocks in at six, six minutes and 37 seconds. And I will have to say this because I don't think we, we said it at the beginning of, of the the album analysis. This was produced by Greg. So. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm sure. I'm sure he was like, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Uh, as opposed to you have a producer going, you know, that all that weird stuff that you're putting at the beginning of the song, maybe it doesn't need it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, right. And, I, and, and you know what? Someone else told me too. Um, some of that stuff that's like, sounds like it's uh, so, some of the stuff that sounds like it's just scat. I know some of it, I feel like some of it is too, but then someone else was like, no, 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 he's, he's just, he's flipped it. So it's, it's just stuff that's backwards. Oh, okay. So then you're like, oh man, like again, he's, that's the thing. The, if you, he's a guy who is like with just the way all of his, he's got so much vocal stuff happening. I don't know how you could pull it off live, like without having like a 10 person band with multiple singers in the back doing all the work. I mean, and it's so intimate. He's like, cause he's right there. Cause he's got moments where he's howling and he sounds like Mick Jagger. And, but then he's, but then he's like right there, you know, 
it's so intimate. And that's the thing, like the intimacy of this record for being such a powerful pop record is, is remarkable to me. Do you still think can't that, get my head around it. Do you think that now he could do, I'm sure he's not coming back to the industry in that capacity, but I'm, I, I was just going to say, do you think that now he could pull kind of an imagined dragons type of thing where, you know, that they're not doing everything live. There, there's definitely some right, sample sure. tracks going on. So throw on some yeah. sample tracks and, you know, get your four piece band together to do the rest. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think on the, but then this is again, as a, as a guy who's been doing this for most of his life, there are people who are great live bands and there are people who are unbelievable people, like people in the studio. They make, they can conceptually create something that's just like, you know, it just catches your attention in a way that you're like, Oh my God, it's unbelievable. And sometimes those things don't belong together, you know? Yeah. Like, just like, cause I feel like the story of a lot of mediocre records is you're like, this is a really good live band. And they were trying to like do the live thing, but trying to create like a, it just didn't translate. Mm -hmm. But if you know the band live, you'll appreciate the album more after you see them live, then you'll go back and go, okay, well, this is a studio version of the song that I thought was better live. And, um, this is a guy, it's like, you have no, he's free of any history. No one's seen him live. Like no one's seen, this band live and it's just like this is the sound of what this band is it's like oh my god you know he went all the way there and was like i will spare it nothing i'm gonna jurassic park this album spare no expense we're doing it and it's sonically like such a treasure but yeah but that it's definitely it's a it's not a no no easy task to try to pull it off live wayne what do you got on this one well, the score is a reflection of the two-minute boys to men <laughs> warm-up session that was taped boys underneath the men. desk into Ugh. a four-and-a-half-minute Tarantino film. Uh, there's a drug-fueled escapade with an ex-nun that ends with an overdose. Um, they have to pay their dealer by making a porn. They kidnap a televangelist and, and ends up going wrong and kills her father, and then it all gets pinned right. on Greg Alexander in the end. If you cut that two minutes out, this is, is an, this is an insane, unbelievably wonderful. Like I say, I'm surprised Tarantino didn't buy the rights to this and and make. I hope I didn't give away the ending. <laughs> it's Kill Bill Volume Four or something like that. Isn't it remarkable though? Like, I mean, I just remember being a kid hearing this song and being like, "Oh my god!" And what a line to be like. We did a porno film for Coke. I hear we're big in Japan. I mean, come on. You're like this, his con, he's so, he's got such comedy to the way he writes. And yeah, talking about the drinking, uh, the, the, in walked her dad drinking coffee, too much sugar on the go. He felt that on the floor. He thought the Coke was sweet and low. And just like, he just, it's so, it's so good. He is the line. He gives the Errol Flynn reference. Um, you know, I guess he, she thought he was Errol Flynn. Just, Man, and then, and incidentally, his his vocal performance starts the song so sweetly, goes through it, and by the end, like, man, that is still one of my favorite endings of any song. To hear the way he loses it, and he's just goes off and then goes, ah, ah shit, I think I just gave away the end. Like, he's like, oh, man, that is so, 
so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Scores. Uh, this is my seven. Wayne. I gave it a three that I just still don't think that two minutes was it, it could. It's brave. I'm not going to say it's not brave. I'm just going to say he he could have got us to the to the Quentin Tarantino story quicker. All right. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Scott, what's your score? Well, not that you non-believers will understand <laughs> it, but I gave it a nine. I gave it a and seven. A, well, a well-deserved nine. Okay. Right. So that's why, yeah, this, when I talk about front, this record front loaded, it's like my, you know, I've got a track one is 11 track two is 10 yeah. track nine or track three is nine, you know? So, so thanks to Wayne score, just so you know, this song's not going to make the top five. And I think I just gave away the ending. The ending. <laughs> so, I had to throw that in. All right. Here's the next song. I don't want to die anymore. And it's it's got going back to the lyrical thing. I yeah. mean, how how great is that title? Oh no, it's so good. It's so good. I feel, and I don't know why, but I, I mean, again, I'm gonna projecting this now from 20 years ago. But I remember hearing that song, and I felt like, yeah, there's a lot of people at the time that were there's so many songs talking about dying or whatever, you know, being young and only the good die young and. And like this song saying, I don't want to die anymore. Like, I don't know. He has these moments for being such a snarky, juvenile punk. Cause that's it. Like that, that's how he comes off. Like the song just before it, he's a punk mm-hmm. and he's a lovable punk, but he's a punk in the first three tracks of the record. He is a punk. And then this song comes in and you are like, I so feel He's so intimate. He's so giving. His vocal performance, the way he does it, I mean, he could be singing a recipe for soup, and it's because his voice is so good. But this one just kills me. The song is such a strong song. And, like, again, like some of these other songs, like the last, or, you know, those first songs on the record, where he's got some of those references to, like, you know, talking about the banks or talking about, you know, he's talking about all corporate greed and you know throwing all this other stuff out there this one is a song where it's a simpler song he stays away from some of that it's just such a strong song it's a story and kind of wayne like what you said you know you're like some of the songs he's got some you know other themes rolling through it and then like this one's just like a really strong simple you know honest song any hells on this one yes for sure sure. oh I've all, this is, this one probably more than any is the one that I really regret. I never got to see live for the ending of this song. Just being like, God, I couldn't imagine. It was so awesome. In my mind, it was the, such a cool performance. Could anyone pull off a cover of this? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. This, this one, there's this one and there's another song on the record that I think are just be such star destroyers for for covers, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Cause I mean, and again, people don't know the record so much. So usually if you hear someone cover it, 
you're going to hear it'll be get what you give. Yeah. You know, Wayne, what do you got on this one? Well, I, and I, I love the, um, the emotion in it and the, like, cause this is a, he makes it very clear that the good part was two months long. He actually says that twice. So I feel like as a personal reference, he was good for two months and then it was so bad. He wanted to die. And it almost has this with that electric guitar. It almost has this almost uh, hair metal ballad type thing to it, but he doesn't get cheesier or, or weak. It's this, like I say, it has a very powerful, like just the idea of wanting to die. Like this relationship is so bad. I, I just want to kill myself. And now he's gotten past that and I don't want to die anymore. He doesn't want to be with her, but he doesn't, but he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to sit there and suffer anymore. Um, and I just thought he did it very well. Yeah. All right. And if I could, if I was going to just add one more quick thing yeah. too, again, the piano on this record and like this track does it really well. Like again, not just to like go back to the time, but at the time, this was like pre keen Travis Coldplay. They had not come on the scene yet at all. And where people are like, yeah, we're going for that kind of piano rock band vibe. That was not, at all happening. Yeah. You know, it was all just like grungy guitars that everywhere. And so, which again, just to sort of like this, this record just stuck out so much to me at the time as like unique for, uh, with everything surrounding it. Such. So, so I so think dope. that's Danielle on the keyboards on this one. Very cool. Um, all right. Uh, Wayne, what do you got for a score? Seven. And then Scott? Eight. This is my six. All right. Next okay. song is Jehovah Made This Whole Joint for You. Wayne, we're, um, Scott and I, we're, we don't have this ranked quite as high as you do. So I'm just going to kick it over to you. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think it's that alt rock, uh, sound that I, I like the most. And I, I, and every time I would hear it, there's a little melody line that I kept saying, I know, I recognize that, or it reminds me of another song. And I finally, it finally came to me yesterday. It was Malibu by Hole. And I know that uh, Billy Corrigan was was all over that record, helping her with that. And so this does have a very, you know, melancholy and the infinite sadness, post-grunge kind of rock sound to it. But at the same time, this is another great story. He starts off with this Eastern Bloc child assassin who, you know, may have been involved in the Kennedy assassination into this black lipstick. I had the middle section with the, the black lipstick that while I didn't wear black lipstick, I still had that thing where my obscure band, I didn't want anybody to listen to it. And now because of this podcast, I listen to what I would cons- not, but other people may consider obscure bands that I want everybody to hear about. So things have changed, but that whole idea of, <laughs> of I don't want anybody listening to my band because because then it gets commercial. Remember how we used to call everything commercial? Like we didn't, yeah. we didn't seem to understand that you needed money to to make things happen and 
and commercial was important to that. It's going back so to what of, I was saying yeah, earlier yeah. that we were pretentious. Yes, that's absolutely 90s. this this yeah. that middle section absolutely encompasses my late nineties musical pretension. Uh, but I was but I could ask my kids. I'm super green. I, I'm like crazy about yeah. recycling. So I was really upset about the styrofoam cup thing. And then he and then he draws it back in <laughs> to the to the to the child assassin. Um, and they may go out and you know it's hit, hit somebody else. So, I mean, there, that, that whole political thing at the end to tie back to the beginning, it just makes for a really interesting song. Like the, once again, he, he has a, an interesting story that he throws, you know, in the middle of it, he throws this very personal, at least to me, you know, late nineties pretentious. Uh, and then he wraps it up all in this very alt rock post grunge, you know, sound. Wraps it up or rolls it up. He rolls it up because that's another thing. He is he yeah. is constantly getting high. That's interesting. That's an interesting. I'm glad. It's nice to hear you th- like your thoughts on this song. That's good. That's a uh, that's interesting. It didn't. It's not changing my score though, Scott. <laughs> oh, no, it's not changing. It's not changing mine either. It's not changing mine either. And I do. I will say it's a what a great line. I I I still love that line that you already that you just called out from the second verse saying like, um. You know, so original in her black lipstick, uh, listening to some of obs- some obscure band, but isn't she pissed at all the other nonconformists who listen to that same obscure <laughs> band? Yeah. Great line, such a good like. So you're like, we all know that image, we all know that thing, and yeah, it's it's a great story for me personally. Like this, the, and the melody. If it was on somebody else's record, I'd be like, this is a great song. But just to be track five after the four, like literally four songs before it that just destroy me. I think maybe is like that collection, that order of the first four songs on this record is one of my favorite orders on any album of all time. Love it so much. So that this song, forgive me. It's just sort of, you're like, (laughs) I don't know whatever they put in track in this position of track five, I'm going to be like, Oh, I'm sorry, man. My brain can only handle so much. So I'm going to just have to say, this is the song that I kind of tune out on, before we get to track six. <laughs> yeah. But I, and I think that Wayne, you're, you're still doing the obscure band thing. Cause I saw your post on Instagram today about young marble giants. Oh, you got to listen to that. You know, it's funny is that I came across that because, uh, they were, you know, new radicals only made one album. And so I yeah. looked on, you know, to see other, uh, one album bands, uh, and that one kept coming up on every list. And so I, during the day, I listened to it and I was, I just was blown away. Kurt Cobain said it was one of his favorite, that's one of his favorite records. And I absolutely get it. It's got this, uh, they're just, everybody should go out and listen to Young Marble Giants, Colossal Youth. It's a great album. It's on my to-do list now. Wow. Nice. I'll yeah. check it out. All right. Yeah. All right. So, um, Wayne, your score? This is my favorite song. I gave it a 12. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. This is my two. Um <laughs> Scott, your your score. This is also my two. Right. Um here here we were thinking, Wayne, that you know, we were starting to get closer together with our scores, and then the last two weeks we're just we're back to our old ways. I honestly think the most creative part of the song though is the title. I feel like the yeah. song doesn't live up to the title. Jehovah made this whole joint for you is such a great title. And the story is, you know, 
bizarre and rambling. And but I, um, I liked in yeah. this story where he gives lots of details, and I hope I don't give away the ending. I felt like he he gave the skeletons of this story to make and and so that you could come up with your own a little bit more on your own. So I like I say leaving out, I give you know giving less is more. But yeah, sure, I, sure. he was totally smoking the the flowers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it yeah, I guess, you know, and I don't want to belabor this song. I just I just I just feel like um for me, it's just all opinion and it it was it's the story, you know, the melody of this song while it's a it's a catchy melody, it is it is not nearly as hooky as the four before it. Yeah. And and then the story while it's quirky and fun is not is yeah it's it feels like it's not as dangerous or devastating or lyrically like potent as like i hope i didn't give away the ending or you know some of these other songs <laughs> yeah. but it's like it's just so so much brains like already it's like track five and you're like i'm on overload it's like oh my god this guy yeah. and that's like saying it's a track two and this two is better than a lot of 11s you know uh on other records you know yeah for it's sure still great for sure all right next song is the second single off the record which is someday we'll know right and which this, incidentally also i was gonna say it also has postscript and the lyric the liner notes it, on this one too it which does. Is really cool. it does i watch the stars crash in the sea if i could ask god just one question why aren't you here with me tonight? Someday we'll know if love can move a mountain. Someday we'll know why the sky is blue. Someday we'll know why I wasn't meant for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someday we'll know why Samson loved This was not a hit. Um, in the U.S., that's a shame. It it did it did hit the top five in the U.K. and it was number one in New Zealand and Canada. Wow, that's awesome. And I'm wondering, was this just not a bigger hit in the U.S. because by the time There's this no was push. released there as was a no, single, yeah. they released it and they broke up, and there was so there was no promotion. Yeah, the label was just like, "Peace out. We ain't promoting you. You bailed on us." Yeah, it's a that, shame because wow. this is a this is a wonderful song. Like I say, I it, it I love is. this song. <laughs> Maybe it, it might, and it, like I say, I think a lot of it it hits. This is like hits real close to home. To like one of those songs mm. where you you love it, but it, it almost it, it almost hurts a little too much sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's not a snarky. He's not like a snarky punk in this song. This is one where he's like really. It's it's he's more. Um, his tone changes. Like, you know, for sure. that first, you have the first five songs and it's just like, what is, this is nuts. And then this song comes in and it's like a palate cleanser that you're like, oh, wow. Like, this is really, this guy just is, it's like very introspective. It's really nice. It almost sounds like when I think about it now and I think about he like co-wrote that song with Michelle Branch with Santana, you're like, was he, was this, was this song like, was he maybe being like, I'm going to let somebody else potentially record this song and then he was like no nah, it's too good i want this song i'm keeping it because <laughs> it's, it's such a great it's yeah. such a really it's such a beautiful song but you this is this more than a lot of the other songs that are so uniquely him this is a song where you could potentially hear somebody else 
covering this song. Um, and there are some. Hollow are there? No- Hollow Notes. Oh, yeah, I heard Hollow Notes do it, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's a whole other story, my friends, that we got to talk about because we're we're getting to that part of the record for me. I have a whole I have a whole Hollow Notes conspiracy thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy and this guy And they do a good version of it. Do they? Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. Of course they do and there's a good reason for that. We'll ex- I'll talk about that here okay. shortly. All right. But yes, um I know I'm sure that they do a good version. Uh yeah, I'm I don't want to. I don't want to foreshadow here. What I'm. You don't you want know, to give away broad- the ending. <laughs> you don't. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let me say this is some top-notch tambourine from Danielle, um, <laughs> and I love how they. I I just it so feels like when you when a relationship ends, you really relate it to the big mysteries in life, like what happened to Amelia Earhart? Why doesn't she love me? Uh, you know, did the Samson captain of the Titanic, Delilah. you know, cry, yeah. you know, why, why? You know, so it, he really captures that um, very well. And, and Good. I think yeah. that he puts the bow on it with his, if I could ask God, just one question. Yeah, and that's when he does yeah. the, the little bit of the Greg howling, you know, why aren't you here with me? And uh, yep. it's just, it's, this is a perfect song. It really is. Yeah. And then the line, my favorite line is the, you know, uh, in this song is I'm speeding by the place where I oh, ninety-seven for the times. 97th time tonight. tonight. Just, just like, Oh man, yeah. this kills me. Yeah. yeah like that's such a great image of this guy who just can't get over it. And he just keeps going, got nothing else to do, but to keep doing, you know, just going back to that spot. It's so, so great. So honest. Like that's the thing. There's an honesty to like his dealing with that. Which said, yeah, as a writer, you're like everyone. You're always trying to give that away, you know. Yeah. And he's the guy. Like when this song and just on this record, you're like, he's the kind of guy that makes you want to put your pen down and be like, oh my god, everything I've written is garbage. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> guy, literally is more. He has given more of himself on these songs than I have in years. You know, it's like, oh my god, yeah, for sure. So. He really, yeah, he gives it a lot, gives it all away. Do 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 you need me to read the postscript? Sure, read it. Uh, seeing you in February was great. Cliches eventually all come true. Time heals all wounds. In in parenthesis or in quotation marks, I want I want to get us our ninth drink. And you ran out the door with another guy. I woke up on the floor with my shoes on, a smile on my face, and I don't even care. <laughs> That's the postscript. That's not a lyric in on the song, but it's in the CD lyrics. But isn't it brilliant that he kept it in there? Like, like that's Great. a breadcrumb. That's right. a breadcrumb that he's telling to whoever he wrote that song for. And then he's like, you know what? It's not going to be important to anybody else, but I'd be just, I'd be remiss if I didn't yeah. add that. Just so they, when they go read through it, they could be like, I remember that. I remember when you came to my house and you fell asleep on the floor yeah. or whatever it was, you know, so cool. All right, scores. This is my top song. Uh, Wayne, your score? That's good. Uh, eight. And then Scott? Oh, okay. Seven. Okay. All right, so next song is title track. Maybe you've, brain- Maybe you've been brainwashed too. Now, and, what are we? And I, know, and I know I gave you the lyrics. Um, those aren't really the lyrics that he's singing. Those are right. the lyrics that he has in the CD <laughs> liner notes. So isn't it, 
It's so cool, that man. Just... This guy is just so ballsy. So cool. You know, I, I will I will listen to this is kind of the method of, of me putting my scores together. So I'll listen to the record a couple of times and then I'll marinate with the the lyrics and so I'm I'm getting ready to do my marinade and I'm like what what is going on here? <laughs> like I don't hear him saying, consider the fact that maybe you've been brainwashed too. So I went out and looked and here are the real lyrics. And I'm only going to do a couple of the lines. So instead of the what I just read, um, the real lyrics of "I come, you're here when I call you. I come, turn me around, baby inside, yeah. I come picking my fight back just around, yeah. I come, don't matter why, yeah. So there's not there's not really much to the lyrics that is on the song, but if you of read. Course. If you read the lyrics that are in the liner notes, they're phenomenal. Yeah, so, oh, that's what made me. It, it's it's literally it is like the manifesto of yes. a college poet kid. You're like it's just like you're like it is. It just reeks of slam poetry right here. Slam poet exactly. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's crazy. He writes so, there's so much great stuff in there. Like it's and it's it is really long it's awesome i mean but it's like it's so cool that it's in that he has he throws so much at you with that just for you to read just for the sake of being like here it is and i love the thought of it being like none of these lyrics are actually the lyrics but this like and that's but that's what's kind of i mean so artistically this record or like this track like i i think it's such a brave cool choice to be like this song I'm titling the whole album this and it's this slam poetry, you know, like drivel that he just writes out free verse and says, this is basically like my bitch about the record about like this whole world. This is my bitch about it. And I'm going to call the whole record this, and this is who I'm talking to. These are the kids I'm talking to who are going through this too and figuring this out right now. And it's like, he really was like, targeting an audience yeah. and going after it. And it was very deliberate. So deliberate. He put the, he put these lyrics in place of something that if the people listening, you know, there's, yeah, there's no real lyrics there. No. It's a very droney, weird song that is, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a unique song and certainly it sticks out from everything else on the record up to this point. Yeah, for sure. This song comes in and it's sort of like a weird palate cleanser for like whatever comes next. But I do have to add one thing okay. about this track because we could, I mean, we can go through the manifesto and read all this stuff, but it's like, well, I just feel like it's more intense. Yeah. We'll let other of, people, of, the listeners need to go check out the, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll post but some links. Sonically, gentlemen, sonically, the drums on this track and in particular, the second half or like the, the end of the track are extremely reminiscent of Hall and Oates. 
Okay. If you and and if you listen to his vocal trills and just some of the wacky stuff he's doing, he is like totally. It's a very and this is again this is my opinion, but it is very reminiscent of some eighties Daryl Hall. Like you could tell, and he's a producer. He's a guy who's like he's listening to studio records. Hall and Oates had some seriously rad pop records. They were they were star destroyers in that world. I think he was this guy. I my my gut tells me Greg Alexander was a huge Hall and Oates nut. He loved his vocals because his vocals were very different, very a la Daryl Hall at a time where people were listening to Creed. And <laughs> and if you hear those drums, they are so reminiscent. And the next track is the giveaway, which we can talk about. Yeah, but. This is where this is the beginning of the Hall and Oates part. First, first half of the record, very Mick Jagger, Howl at the Moon. Second half, he's becoming Daryl Hall. <laughs> now, here here's a note on the on the drum for this for this song. Okay, uh, this is again take this for whatever it's worth because I found it on the internet. Uh, the drums on this track were sampled from XTC's song "All of a Sudden." Which I did listen which to, and they had I can to pay for. Okay, I can totally hear it, and um, they used it without permission, so they ended up having to pay Andy Partridge, who was the songwriter <sighs> for XCC, um, seventy thousand pounds. I think it was. Wow! Yeah. Holy cow! All right. So here is my theory on this song. Here we go. I want to. Um, okay. So yeah, you read these lyrics, and I'm listening to this half mumbling like really repetitious, but <laughs> this beat. And I'm thinking his point is we're, you're brainwashed too. And this is what it's going to sound like. All of these very real, very uh, well thought out, poignant political criticisms are going to fall on deaf ears. And that's going to sound like a bunch of, you know, half mumbling. And that was that. And I was like, that's pretty cool, but I don't like, I, I'm not, it doesn't get a high score for me, but that was my right. that was my theory. Is like he I has agree these with wonderful you. lyrics, and he, and he does this whole total different thing that almost because that's sometimes I was listening because he's not saying anything, and I'm thinking, is he is he thinking it? Is is he is he you know is he mumbling part of it? Am I missing something? And I listened to it, and I was like, I that's what I came up with. Is like, you know, the sheep are this is what the sheep are going to hear that's going to mm-hmm. fall on deaf ears. That's so great. I agree with you. I totally do. I, I like think that's exactly what he was going for. I like it. And I think he probably loves it. I think he gets really tickled by it. So given that, Wayne, and it seems so punk rock to do, what's your score? I gave it a two because I want to hear these lyrics. <laughs> I wanted to hear this song. I was like, I was mad. All right. All right. This is my four. Scott, what do you got? It's my It's my two. No, I'm sorry. This is my three. It's my three. Gotcha. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Cause I think it's really cool. And actually, strangely, yeah, like I, yeah, I think it's a brave, weird thing that he did. And I, but, but you're right. I mean, I, well, I would, it's, it does, it's a bit lackluster when you're hearing, if you're just rolling through the record, you know, it's one of those songs that I don't, I, I like the song, but I, I don't know after listening to it so many times for over 20 years, is it just be, you're like you're gonna like everything at this point? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you like yeah. everything on the record now. You've so, but yeah, for me, yeah, it was a track three. Gotcha. All right, next song is "In Need of a Miracle." 
And I don't really have any notes on here other than mispronounced Spokane. Yeah, um, I did. I did circle that. Um, oh. Given given that Wayne and I are from Tacoma, Washington, um, we know people in Spokane, um, and I lived there for a year. So they get really pissed off when you mispronounce their name. It's Spokane. It's not Spokane. Right. Spok- Right. It's not Spokane. It's Spokane. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So you don't have anything to say about this. Wayne, what about you? Cause I have, some, I've got quite a bit to say. Uh, go for it. This starts to sound familiar and I just didn't think it was strong as strong lyrically with the taking, making, breaking. Okay. Got it. Got it. So here's my thing about the Daryl Hall reference. So the, if you listen, like when, going on the journey through the album, Track six, someday we'll know, is the first time he's like really honest. He's not a snarky punk. And then it leaves that song and it goes to uh, Maybe You've Been Brainwashed too, which is its own sort of weird meandering track. Then comes into this song, which is like, hits you like a hammer, like it's very pop from the top. Um. But he has that, like, because those drums, while, yes, he sampled that XTC song, if you listen to those, it's so right out of the world of, like, out of touch. Like, hollow notes, out of touch. And this track, I can tell you at minute, if you listen to this song from three minutes and 45 seconds to the end of the song, in need of a mirror in need of a miracle from three minutes and 45 seconds to the end of the song and then go play um method of modern love by hall and oats the end of that song these song their songs it's like he i just feel like i'm not trying to get greg alexander in trouble <laughs> i'm not trying to say like you copied hall and oats because but it's but it is so they're very similar in his vocal performance and the vibe. And, and I mean that in the greatest way, Bertolt Brecht said inspiration or theft, who knows which is which I don't believe it was like a conscious, I'm trying to rip off Daryl Hall right here, but it, you could, I feel like it's more of a, like this guy likes, he legitimately likes them. He loves their pop songs. So Greg was listening to some big bam boom or whatever. H I feel like, Definitely Method of Modern Love yeah. all over. And that's a rad track. I love Hollow Notes and I love Method of Modern Love. And there's some vocal things that he does there that are literally, they mirror one another in a way that it's just too, it mirrors too much to say, yeah, like that was just random. Like, no, that's just a coincidence. Because yeah. he sings so much like him. You know, he's got, he's, they both are such strong vocalists that it's like, it wouldn't surprise me if you're like Greg Alexander was like, yeah, man, Daryl Hall, he's an amazing singer. I've always loved him. So, um, so this song, and if you, and if you actually went to minute four twenty on this track, 
there is an actual there is an actual lyrical riff that is identical to what Hall does in Method of, the end of Method and Modern Love. Anyway, that's my thing. So people go check it out. Love it. Decide for yourselves. All right. But I got I, we got homework. Yeah, yeah. And I just I mean and I mean it in the best way that you're like, man, this guy he's like got references all over the place. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's he's tipping. That's what I think. Honestly, I think he's like because he's so he's such a strong writer and such a strong producer and such a strong arranger of music. I don't think he's trying to steal it. I think, you know, I think he's like, dude, that was awesome. And I'm tipping the cap to you in the same way I'm putting in the last a Steely Dan line from Dirty Work in a part of a song that actually never even got on the record. But whatever, because I think he's throwing it out there all over the place. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Should we get scores for In Need of a Miracle? Sure. Or should I say In Need of a M-I-R-A-C-L-E? <laughs> um it's pretty close. All right. Pretty close. All right. Uh, Wayne, what do you got? Oh, that was my lowest score, one. Yeah. Wayne Wayne doesn't like calling outs. Mm. Uh, That's Scott. not true. Don't you start that rumor. <laughs> yeah. Don't you even start I gave that it a, I, I gave this song a four. All right. And I, I still love the song. But again, this is every yeah. song on this record is a love of mine. But yeah, this has got this got four. All right. This is my three. All right. Okay. All right. Next song is Gotta stay high. I love the fact that this album has tons of references to drugs. Yeah. And the irony of this song is that the high reference is not about drugs, but the intoxicating component of love. Right. Was that description eloquent enough, I guess? Yes. That was very nice. And and of course, the next song, Flowers, is coming up. Um, right. You know, about drugs so right yeah but i think that's the thing i feel like he plays on that theme in a way of you're like dude this guy's about you know which is right it's just again like targeting targeting young adults where you're like i'm targeting kids i'm targeting people who are experimenting talking about drugs because kids like drugs even though you know like it's like we it's such a cliche but it's like kids like drugs young adults like drugs I'm going after the people who like drugs right. and want to explore and try drugs and are romantic, have romantic notions of drugs before they say, Oh yeah, I got to quit that. Cause like, that's not good for my life. And I just feel like he, he went right for that, that audience. And sure. And then, so it's like, this is a beautiful love song, but he's like, sure. I'll have a double entendre. I'll, I'll throw that out there because when you've got Jehovah made this whole joint for you, <laughs> roll this whole joint for you next to gotta stay high you're like what of course you're like yeah this is like this dude loves weed this guy's all about smoking dope and we all love that and yeah just he's such a clever writer yeah i so i got a question for you yeah so the last lyrics of just got five words to say 
what were the five words? Because like that line has six words in it. The line before it has six words in it. The title got to stay high is three words. So what are the five words? I always thought it was because he said he doesn't. The title of the song is got to stay high, but he says we just got to stay high. Okay. All right. You know, we just got to stay high. That I, I think that's what he's saying. Okay. Only five words to say. Right. We just got to stay high. Because that's right where the part would kick in and he'd sing that part. All right. So my anxiety over what the five words were, that's, thank you. You put an end to that. Um, <laughs> Wayne, what do you got on this? Anything? Um, the piano and electric guitar is one of the coolest combinations Sound-wise, and then this somehow, I don't exactly know where it comes from, but I've got a Christopher Cross vibe in here, and I don't know if it's Dude, piano, thank you for saying that. guitar, yes. vocals. And that's why our scores are different, Wayne. It just, oh, it felt like a a Christopher Cross. Chris, I got a strong Christopher Cross he, vibe. He does. He does. There's a, there is a weird yacht rocky kind of, that's again, like the whole, this second half of the record, the first half, I mean, it really, he wrote, he made this record like a guy who likes, he's like an audiophile. Like he's like, I got side A and it's all this vibe and it's just like, it's ferocious from start to finish. And he's even got those tracks that like, he's got the, maybe you've been brainwashed too. You're like, this is, what is this? Is this, this is probably, is this, this is either the end or the beginning to just sort of break up a record. And then he's got this second half that's got more of a eighties, like a, there's some loving references to like early eighties pop on, on the, on the latter half. And I would, I, so I feel you on that. I actually agree. There's some Christopher Crossness who I also think is dope. Thank you. I do too. And he also had, he got COVID. So. I know. Hope he, bad hope too. He, yeah, he got it. He got it really, really bad. So yeah, hope he's healing up. Sounded like he was. I, I did see an interview uh, recently with him. So he is on the mend. Um, oh, that's good. Looking forward to seeing him live one more time. Um, all right. So this is my ten, which wow. I guess now that you brought up the yacht rock thing, that under <laughs> that now I understand why it scored high for me. Uh, Wayne, what are your what's your score? A five, but like I say, this was a this was incredibly difficult to score, and I take scoring way too seriously anyway. But um, just not a lot of bad stuff on this record. There really isn't. Yeah, no, there is. Yeah, Scott, your score. I I also gave it a five, Wayne. All right, next song is Technicolor Lover. And I'm just going to throw it over to Wayne because um, this is my least favorite score. I don't get that. Song. This is so Prince from the shortened squeal to at the beginning to the Raspberry Beret acoustic guitar. Yeah, I shouldn't like this song because there's so little to it lyrically, but it's just so funky and sexy. And it's just he just I, I love it. I love that fuzzy guitar that's kind of in the back of the mix. Uh, and it kind of it'll come full come starts to come a little bit forward towards the end. But I do just, you like his kazoo work? 
the kazoo work on this that's, one? That's what, that's I, I, what I, got it for I, me. Yeah, I guess I, I, I didn't I focus on the kazoo. I'm a tambourine What? Guy, but, uh, you can fixate on the tambourine, but you can't fixate on the kazoo? I can't. And then he even says Rev- World Class Revolution. Uh, I felt like maybe that just tied the whole Prince thing together for me. I just, I don't, I got... People like what they like. I don't think I need to be judged like this. Jesus. <laughs> I'll remember that the next time you judge me. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, Scout, you got anything? Yeah. I'm, this is not my, this is, this is one I feel like lyrically, I feel like, um, not that he phoned it in. It's just like, it just seems like it's a bit, he's tr- kind of this song and the, and Jehovah, made this whole joint for you like the, the those two these two tracks for me technicolor lover and, and jehovah are this the those are the ones where like the story that he's trying to tell is like i just don't love it i'm like eh. yeah. it's not it's and again like it's i still love it but it's it's just not my um uh, yeah i don't have much to say about it you know i always thought it was ballsy and cool for when he says the line you know uh when she 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 asked where'd you get that velvet colored hair, I said I got lots more somewhere. If you touch my big, and there's that right. space to be like, right. uh, what do you say? Uh, we know what you were gonna say, or what you're implying. Um, but um, yeah, for me, it 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 feels kind of like a track ten on a twelve track record to me. Yeah, and so yeah, it's it's the only song on the record that I don't like. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there. So Wayne, what what was your score on this? A uh, six. And then Scott, I gave it a one. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, Flowers is next, and um, yeah, this is more drug reference. Great song. Um, yeah, it is a great song. you got what what do you got on on this uh do you do you love the line of but i'm everything i claim to be you just need vodka vodka and honesty yeah (laughs) that's probably my favorite line on that's a great line women with a lot of vodka and honesty over my years (laughs) um it even takes what i love too is it takes a little stalker twist towards the end with the with the you know you got to change you didn't have to change your number uh but uh, i did get a uh there's like lots of references in it that I feel like it makes it that makes it easy to kind of see the story, which I thought was cool. Um, Cause there's, she's 22, but there's a lot of talk of classes and stuff. So must've met in college. Um, and this, so the, the, the relationship clearly didn't, you know, end the way he wanted it to, but I, like I say, you can hear the story in it, but it, um, that's it. He smokes a lot of weed. Yes, he does. Scott, what do you got on this? This song for me, yeah, I like this song. Again, it's what this one kind of feels like where sometimes I feel like the Jehovah song doesn't quite deliver on like it's telling a story for me. Um, but it's like, eh. 
this one, it's like, it's a love song and, but it's a really, it's a, it's also an upbeat pop song and he's got some of the weird, he's, he's like rounding back the, the whole album again. He's like, we're at track 11. I'm bringing it back to like, I hope I didn't just give away the ending. I'm going to talk about some honesty and vodka and vodka and LSD. And, you know, he, he's again, talking about with mom and dads and you're not being yourself and like someone trying to like go out and do your own thing. It's, and it's just, yeah, but he's got that ending with the, uh, don't have to be a bitch and get your number changed. He's a little stalkery, but it's like, he's also howling and it's a poppy song and it actually, it's like a great, great feeling song. You know, it doesn't, you don't feel like it's like some breakup song. It, it feel the whole thing feels lighter, feels really, and it feels optimistic and the chorus is so great. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, what did I give this song? I gave this song a six. And I do, but I, I always think again, it's a strong six. I think that this is just a really great tune. Capital six. Capital six. Yeah, capital six. Um, did I give my score? This is my eight. And then Wayne, what was your score? I gave it a capital four. I'm not super happy about it because, like, with all the specifics, it seemed very personal, which I always, I always respect that. Yeah. 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 It does. It feels. He feels like he's get. He's he's getting honest. Like he starts the record with a lot of. He's he's un, un unloading a lot of luggage throughout this record, and by the end, he's like he's still telling that fun story, but he's definitely more yeah uh, revealing. There's there's more luggage coming up. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Last song: okay. "Crying Like a Church on Monday." And Scott, here are my notes. Ready? Okay. I wrote these notes down before I saw what your score was. Okay. I want to hear Red Wanting Blue cover this song. <laughs> that's that's my wow. that's my notes. And then I saw what your score was, and I'm like, oh yeah, you <laughs> could could you hit those high falsetto Greg Alexander notes? Man, I don't know. I don't know. I can, I'd have to do my own version of something. Right. Like this. Right. But I will say, I, like over two. When you were mentioning this, like saying, you know, when we're talking about some of these songs where people are covering, I would say that like this song, the someday we'll know. And like, in this song, um, are just like, they're such well crafted songs. This, this one is just a star destroyer. I love this song. This song just gets me so bad. And I don't know what it is. It's always ending last tracks of records always get me you know if you if you nail it right or if i love your record it's usually usually you leave the last track with something that's like makes you go oh man it's just tied the whole thing together for me um yeah yeah this one is i mean it's such a strong song i mean the melody of this song the lyrics of this song he's probably in my opinion this song this song and I don't want to die anymore. Lyrically, he's he's probably at his most vulnerable, mm-hmm. and and I just absolutely love that. Like this, 
I mean, yeah, for anybody who's a lyricist, it's like, I don't know how, I mean, things like, and it was like the, he says, he uses lines that are like, or, you know, references that are, have been used in a billion songs before, but for some reason, the way he does it makes it sound like you'd never quite heard it that way before. And I think that's the beauty of, of doing, of being a writer. I mean, obviously the chorus's lyrics are so great. You know, I love the way he sings the line. Now I don't like candles because they make me see the light and I can't help failing to remember to forget you. And I know it's going to be a long time. So great. I mean, just, just like, yeah. just like, Oh man, I, I, I'm so mad. I never thought of that. You know, like that's the kind of lyrics he writes. And then that chorus, now I'm crying like a church on Monday, praying that for these feelings to go away. So do me a favor, baby, put down your new God and love me like Sunday again. Damn. That's awesome. Just so strong. Strong album closer. Too. Oh, so yeah. strong. And that he's got that, there's that, like that guitar solo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's in my notes. Before it goes into that chorus again, it, it has that like oasis-y champagne supernova, like epicness to it as it's like, it just blows and out. And there's the something whole so warm about it, but yet there is this, there's this loneliness in that guitar. It's, it's just mm-hmm. a great guitar sound. Yeah. And then he's, and he's still howling, you know, like, it's like, it's a going out swinging, beautiful, beautiful chorus, such a strong song. This would, this would be the song that I would cover uh, of this whole record. If there was a song that I would want to cover, it would be this one. I want to hear it. Yeah. All right. right. I'll get to work. All right. (laughs) Uh, you know, you're not doing anything with in 2020. So, you know, get on it. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I'm looking at my score and I'm like, man, I scored this too low. This is my nine. And I'm, right. I'm not going to be like you guys that changed your score on the day of. So I won't change it. I didn't have to because I already had this one scored high. Well, good, good for you, Wayne. What was your score? I gave it a 10. I, I mean, it gets number one, it gets extra points for the analogy. Um, you know, churches on Sunday are full of people and singing. And I like, there's a little bit of organ work in the beginning of the intro to kind of set that, that whole tone. Um, And then just, I mean, and a church on Monday is just empty and lonely. And he just, and vocally he captured that so well. And it's it's just, it really is a brilliant song. It's one of the best closing numbers on any record. Yeah, I agree. And Scott, what's your score? I gave this one the 12. This one gets the cherry. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is the point where I go, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Again, just, I will say this too. Again, being the snarky punk that he is, that happens to have the voice of an angel to be able to do all that he does on this album. And he's just so ballsy and moxie, like, tying through the record from start to finish he's got so many god references and so many like what's it all mean references running through this record which is i why i feel like it would be a like formative record for any young person who gets a hold of it like if you're a young writer and you hear this record i feel like it would be you know you you can take so much from it yeah you know yeah all right um so any guesses on our top five? So number one. I still think it's, pr- it's probably going to be get, get, get what you give, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I didn't want it to be. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's the pretentious guy again talking. Um, I didn't want it to be the highest, but it's 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 a well crafted song. So that got an average score of ten point six six. We just talked about number two. So crying like a church on Monday, ten point three three average score. So that's number two. Uh, someday we'll know that's our third. That was my top score. So that boosted it up a little bit. And then four was opening Opening, track. Mother, we just can't get enough. And then I don't want to die anymore. That rounds out our top five. Dude. I mean, that's a great top five. That's a really strong top five. I would, I think that's probably the right top five. Um, I gave gotta stay high, high that just missed. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say, I hope I didn't just give away the ending on creativity. I would have liked to see in the top five, but I get it. And I could happily see that yeah. a, as a capital six somewhere. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Wayne, I need to go and edit that first minute and 40 seconds out. And then, yeah, and then it. I know, yeah. I know it's okay. That was at a time too, though, that like, bands did that you know where you're like oh we're gonna track four is called you know uh i don't know (laughs) give it give it whatever name right and And then then we're also gonna give a a hidden track too right but it'd be like a minute and 45 seconds of some meandering thing and you're like oh well clearly that's just to get us to the next song so we're just disregard that and you know he kept it in there and he used it as a way to build it up for that song right Uh, and it's weird and you know i gotta give the guy cred for for trying to do the scat thing. That's, that's pretty ballsy to do. <laughs> yeah, that's great. He, he definitely, he wasn't, he definitely didn't do anything like half ass on this record. No, no, it's, he did. He went, he, he was swinging for the fences with this. Yeah. Any, uh, any last comments, Wayne? No, like I say, this record didn't get the due it deserved at the time. Like I say, when we, we've gone through some of the names of uh, bands that were, out there in 97 and 98 and these, these guys, I guess if he hadn't gotten uh, disillusioned with the music business uh, and kind of fell into the back, the background, I wonder what we, we could have uh, heard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know the record cover so very well just because I've sure. seen it for so long, but that was another thing that I remember being bummed about. I remember being like, I don't love the album art. Like he had this very, it was sort of like someone said, oh, the Verve Urban Hymns, like yeah, that that shot of them. like, And I can't remember that that record probably came out after it, but like that there was that, there's that energy of like a, you know, it was like, that's a cool version of that. <laughs> Seeing the guys like laying out on the lawn, you can see their shoes and stuff. And this, he's just kind of laying there. It looks like he was probably in a studio, someone was snapping pictures and they put that weird sun back backdrop with just him there in the black suit with the white hat. And you see the barcode on the bottom of his shoes. I was kind of like, I oh, thought we could have done better than that. But urban hymns from the verve came out in 97. Okay. Cause I was going to say yeah. it always made me think of like, is that what the people who were designing the artwork for this record were like, we want this guy to kind of have that vibe. Well, the, the lead singer of the verve looks like he's wearing a Kanga as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. The things that we pick up on as kids and we remember, yeah. Yeah. but you're making associations. Yep. Absolutely. 
We do that a lot on this podcast. <laughs> and, the, and the Verve were super cool. Verve were cool. Yeah. All right. Um, Scott, this was oh, this awesome was great. Once again. <laughs> you guys always indulge me. Let me talk forever. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. We, we do that with all of our guests. Um, <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is listen to the three hour um, meanderings of uh, us on. Uh, on the last episode we did with um, Randy from Toad. So, yeah. That's so cool. I got to check that out. Yeah. I met Randy. I met Randy when I was in, uh, I was a senior, no, I'm sorry, junior in high school. I met him at the Tower Theater in Philadelphia. He was standing out watching Soundcheck and the band, the Grays were opening for them. And I remember being so excited that I got a chance to talk to him. And he was like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, oh my God, dude, what's going on? And he was like, what's up? You okay? And I was like, oh, it's, it's cool. I'm talking to the drummer. And he's like, well, it's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember being like, God, he's so cool. He's so cool. Cause he was like, whatever. It's like not a big deal, man. That sounds and, like Randy. Yeah. 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 But I thought a, it was like, yeah, it's so cool. That was a blast. And to, to quote a red wanting blue song. So we both know this is not the beginning. This <laughs> yeah, is the this- end. This is the end. Um, well, yeah. Usually, usually we ask for um, you know who do you know that we don't know, um, <laughs> but uh, we've already we've already done that. So you've gone through that. I'll get to work on on the trues and Mister Will Hogue. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you hooked us up with the alternate roots, which right. that was a lot of fun, yeah. and that is still that referral line is still paying dividends because. They then hooked us up with David Bournet, who hooked us up oh, with nice. Rick Brantley. Um, David then uh, introduced us to Bree Kennedy. And um, so we just did an episode with her referral, Jake Wesley Rogers. And he referred us to Chaz Cardigan. we got him on the schedule coming up soon. So, yeah, the referral thing is uh, it's been uh, it's been a blessing. Yeah, man. yeah. Great. So thank you. Thank you very much for we talked about Canada in the beginning with the neat cafe and stuff. So we, should, yeah, we're, I'm going to really work on the trues for you. All right. They'll open up a whole pipeline of, of Canadian stuff. And then we'll try to get the coffee and the farm to table food we're, for we're, you guys. We're down for it. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've done a couple, we've done a couple episodes with some Canadian uh, artists. Absolutely. So oh, man, I yeah. love Canada. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think my favorite album of 2020 is going to be from a Canadian. Yeah. What's yeah. that? Probably Mr. Kenny Yates. Oh, okay. I don't Quiet know that Talk- right. Oh know. my gosh. Quiet Talkers is fantastic. Go, go oh. check that out. Okay. Perfect. Um, right. And he, he runs in the Brian Dunn, um, uh, Liz Longley circles. Liz, oh, okay. Liz, Liz referred us over to Ken. I had no idea who Ken was, and I just fell in love with his record. Ken Yates. Okay. Ken Yates, yep. right talker. I'll check that out. And Young Marble Giants. Yes. Yeah, right. I've got, I've got homework. homework from Wayne. Yeah. yeah. we got the homework. All right. Um, let's wrap this up. So, uh, Scott, where can they find all the happenings of you in Red Wanting Blue? On all the, uh, all the usual suspect socials. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's Scott Red Wanting or Scott RWB. That's my my Instagram handle. And Red Wanting Blue is on there, and they're on Red Wanting Blue is on you know everything. <laughs> so you just look, go go hunt Red Wanting Blue, and you'll find whatever you're looking for. And and I love your Instagram stuff because you're always popping in a eight track. 
Oh man, I know. I get I get I get kicked off a bunch of times though because they'll just depends the on audio. Their, their little algorithm. Sometimes it'll yeah. just random stuff will pop and they're like, "Sorry, you've been that's been rejected," and you're like, "Oh, for God's sake, it's copyrighted." Right, and yeah. I feel like I got a I I was getting away with it for a while because it was like an eight track, so it was like just just <laughs> enough crackles and stuff that I was hoping to break break it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. All right. As a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. And of course, we're on the socials. Wayne is on the Instagram page, which is Records Revisited Podcast. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Um, I man the Facebook page. You can just find us, Records Revisited Podcast, and on Twitter at Podcast Records. And you can see all of my um, goodwill finds like, new radicals um <laughs> all right so thanks for listening please go support the arts i would tell you to go to a live show but you kind of know the drill on that for 2020 so go support your favorite musicians go find whatever live stream that they're doing and um, go support them buy a t-shirt of the band buy a record uh, you can go to a record store just you know mask up and be safe we are records revisited and we are Out. 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 Oh, shoot. (laughs) Out.